This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Everybody here at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Once again, on the road four out of five times this week. And we'll be going to the Super Bowl next week. From the Senior Bowl yesterday, uh, this week to UNF Arena yesterday in a good basketball game. Talk a little bit about that coming up. And now today, a coaches convention, a high school coaches convention put on locally. And if you know high school sports, you would know a lot of the faces in this room right now. Uh, well, I'm just outside the room. And I've got a pretty good backdrop. <laughs> And it's the ocean. We are at the Embassy Suites, St. Augustine Oceanfront. And, well, we're on the oceanfront for sure. Uh, I'm going to fix some things around here. i got a new light in my, my toy kit here, Austin Lane. So I'm going to break out the light in a little bit and brighten this thing up. Um, I'm going to work on the shot. I'm playing um, engineer today on the road. I'm I'm not mad at the light getting you know adding a little more um I guess tone to your skin color I guess that would say something like that but let's be honest Brent I feel like if you had an iPhone 11 Pro Max Zoom Elite Gold Edition whatever they call it now I feel like you could kind of do everything with that cell phone light included the video included and I feel like that's all you need. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Marcel did the trick. You now have that, and I yeah. think I have to get it this weekend before we go to the Super Bowl next week. Join the it's club, It's as simple man. as that. Yeah. So, uh, heck, that new iPhone might just be able to plug into all our little system here that we make <laughs> this work every day on the road, and maybe I don't even need a camera anymore. Maybe I just use the iPhone. It can do it all, Brent. It can do it all. All right. Uh, hey, the big news in sports today. This is actually, isn't it interesting, Austin? Uh, as I welcome everybody to the show, Brent Martineau here in St. Augustine, Austin in the studio, and... I think it's interesting because we have so much hype around so many things in the NFL, right? The Super Bowl's on the horizon, and there's two weeks of hype with that, which I can, uh, you know, take it or leave it. I don't love the two weeks of it, but we really just kind of ignore it for the first week and then really ramp it up next week at the Super Bowl. That being said, you come off championship weekend. The national championship was a short time ago. The senior bowl this week. The pro bowl this week. Yet at the same time, here late in the week on Thursday and Friday, it kind of feels like a little bit of lull in the action. I'm off by the ocean. Maybe this is the calm before the storm (laughs) leading into the biggest sporting event we have, which is the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54 on Fox 30 uh, coming up next Sunday. But doesn't it feel like that a little bit? Uh, Just quietly some headlines, but not a lot of headlines, even in the entire sports world. No, without a doubt. You know, and obviously we talk primarily football on here and yeah let's be honest i mean set aside from the senior bowl and then the pro bowl there hasn't been that much happening i mean obviously eli manning retires we'll get into that in a little bit here but you know i just think with the lacklusterness of the pro bowl now where sure you can kind of tune in to watch some of the games that they do during the week and everything and maybe some people actually tune in to watch the game me personally i don't watch a lot of it um just because i feel like it's not really football to me just my opinion and also the senior bowl as well where I kind of tune in more to watch the practices than I do the game. I mean, I'm, I'm still going to watch the game, obviously, because we're, we're going to do a little uh, fantasy yes. Senior Bowl draft later on the show. So yes. the stakes have never been higher for the Senior Bowl. <laughs> but like the, the way I look at it is, like, obviously, I want to watch the one-on-ones, right? I, I want to watch the drill work more than the actual game of the Senior Bowl. Yeah, it's well said, and and I think that's the thing about it. We were talking, we were in Mobile for a couple of days, but we really didn't need, didn't have the need, or feel like we had the need to be there for our listeners and our viewers on TV for really more than that. It was a couple of days. Now, if you want to stop in Wednesday, Thursday, or Thursday, Friday, or Fridays, whatever you mix the day, but it feels like a couple day event to me. Mm-hmm. The Senior Bowl. 
Uh, obviously, the Super Bowl is so – they drag that thing out, and we're there longer than we probably need to be because of the Monday opening night. But your point is, is spot on. Some of these events, even though they're week-long events, do feel like they're more a couple-of-day storylines, and then you know we'll see what else happens. And it fills a little bit of a vacant – uh, vacancy in the sports world, especially when it comes to football, after that na- national college championship game, after championship Sunday, and then the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. Now, I got into this because all that being said, there's a blockbuster story today with Eli Manning retiring. The only difference, we now know stories happened before, well, they actually officially happened, and we talked about that a little bit on Wednesday and Thursday, but now it happened today. Eli Manning is done. The Manning brothers are done. The Manning family at least for now, until they have kids, (laughs) are done with the NFL. And what it does is it it puts an ending on one heck of a run with a name that is so relevant in football in general, but really the National Football League, from Archie Manning to Peyton Manning to Eli Manning. Just think about it this way. I saw somebody tweet this out. I, I, I don't know who it was, and apologies for that. I think Peyton Manning made $248 million in his playing career. Eli Manning, I believe, made $252 million in his playing career. It might be flip-flopped. That is $500 million between the Manning brothers. And the person who tweeted this out said, Nice job by Archie and Olivia Manning. They raised them right, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't need to lean on them for funds. But uh, how about that, man? I mean, think about it just in that context. I think we're talking about two Hall of Famers with the Mannings. We're talking about well over 100,000 passing yards. We're talking about over 750 touchdowns together. And we're talking about $500 million in earnings in the NFL. Pretty incredible. It's, I mean, it's very remarkable, obviously, for, for one family to be that successful and it's funny because we talk about the Hall of Fame, right? When Once you retire, that's kind of the next step is is the Hall of Fame. And I think you would agree with me when I say Peyton Manning is going to be that first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, Absolutely. For sure. I mean, you know, the guy is one of the greatest quarterbacks, one of the greatest minds to ever play the position. And I think with Eli Manning, I think he'll definitely be uh, a Hall of Famer as well. But the question comes, will he be the first ballot guy? When, when you want to look at the numbers a little bit, you know, we're talking a guy that threw for – 57,000 yards and some change and then 366 touchdowns. And you, you compare that to Peyton Manning who threw for 71,000 yards and some change and 539 touchdowns. And I get it. Peyton's Man- Peyton Manning's numbers are obviously better, Brent. But to me, what kind of separates them a little bit and you kind of feel like Eli was always living in Peyton Manning's shadow a little bit was the standpoint of just their playing styles, right? Like, I've had to prepare for both quarterbacks when, when I was playing in the league. And with Peyton Manning, obviously, it's him being cerebral, right? It's him checking out on the line. It's him calling the audibles, um, getting out of some of the plays, and then going forward. And with Eli Manning, not to knock him at all, but with Eli Manning, it was a little less of that, right? Like, we're, we're always, we always know Peyton Manning for the Omahas and, and, um, you know, all, all those checkdowns and everything. And I think Eli Manning kind of, you know, ran more of a tighter ship that was geared more towards the offensive coordinator and the things that he was, uh, that he was calling. So it's amazing how two different brothers can kind of bring two different styles of football, um, to the position that they played at. Yeah, fantastic. I want you to get into that a little bit more in just a little bit, too, like playing against both of them. Give me like a memory or two in preparation in the film room and, and just a, maybe a little deeper dive of how how different they were because, to be honest with you, I'll say it from my point of view, and you know it from an in-depth point of view, player's perspective, uh, scheming perspective. While they were different, while I think Peyton Manning was 
quarterback. I think he helped change the position to a degree. I think he helped build the stadium and, and create the Indianapolis Colts the way we see them today because of Peyton Manning. I'm not sure Eli Manning did that in New York, although he did it in a tougher market, and he was able to take all those bullets, right, and be able to deflect them and still perform and then take down the mighty Brady and Belichick mm-hmm. a couple of times. So they both, they're both they different in that sense, although when I look at them play quarterback, I don't really see their games so different. I know when you break them down, I, you know, the brilliance of Peyton Manning at the line of scrimmage, the the, the pass from Peyton Manning that always uh, sits in my memory bank is just that one that zips past the ear of the linebacker down the middle of the field, whether it's to Marcus Pollard over the years or, or you name it, tight end, and it just whizzes by that guy's ear right as he's turning around and the ball's already passed him and ends up in the receiver or tight end's arms. Yeah. Um, I don't have that kind of vision of Eli, of like a specific pass, specific play. But well, I do look at their yeah. styles and I say, hey, they're kind of, they, they, you know, they are from the same family. They're cut from the same cloth and it kind of looks like it. Sure. And to be fair to Eli Manning, ironically, his probably most memorable pass from my perspective wasn't necessarily the best pass, but it was his throw to David Tyree in the Super Bowl. You know, like that that play right there was the play that kind of propelled the Giants to win the Super Bowl. So that's what stands out from like the, the play of all players from Eli Manning. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to talk more about men. I really want you to do that. Uh, take us to the film room on these two guys and, you know, what does separate them from a game planning. And in a way, I don't think Peyton Manning at all is overrated. But are people trying to knock down Eli Manning to the point where he's a shade underrated, despite all the accomplishments and many of us believe he will be in the Hall of Fame? Why is it that much of a debate? Is it the record? Uh, if, I mean, they have the same amount of Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's an interesting conversation. Is it just because he's in New York and everybody likes to complain and, and, and the, the opinions are louder in New York uh, when, you, when you're talking about football players and, and their teams? I want to break down uh, Eli Manning a little bit more. And if you've seen some of the stories today, you just know how good of a person Eli Manning is. I don't know him personally, but you read some of the things, and it's pretty good stuff, the way he handled himself in New York. We're at a little coaches convention once my school coaches stop by. We have some interviews. We also will do our fantasy senior bowl. Has that ever been done before? I don't we think so. We are going to do it. <laughs> and I'm going to try to turn the lights on here by the beach down in St. Augustine. We'll be back on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know, he never talked about being injured. You know, nowadays we got guys tweeting MRIs. What they kind of are doing are covering themselves, right? If they play well, you guys are going to go, how did he play so well he had a bad ankle? <laughs> if he didn't play well, you go, well, he had a bad ankle. That's an excuse. Eli never talked about it. He just played. But I'm telling you, a couple times he had a foot, he had a shoulder. There's no, He had no business playing, badly injured. But it just the toughness being there for his teammates. And he didn't talk about it before, didn't talk about it after. Uh, That's Peyton Manning on Golik and Wingo this morning talking about his brother, Eli Manning. And if you listen to Peyton, you really hear some pretty cool things from one brother to another. And uh, pretty pretty good stuff as Eli Manning retires uh, here on this Friday in the NFL. And the Manning uh, book closes. 
yeah. uh, at least for now, in uh, NFL lore, and it will live for a very long time, from Archie to Peyton to Eli. The one thing you can say as we uh, welcome in Austin Lane as well, back in the Action Sports Shack studios. I've tried to turn the lights on a little bit out here. I'm getting better. It will get progressively better. I hope <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Well, I was going to say, man, it looks a little better now. I'm watching this stream, and you don't necessarily look like a snitch on a Netflix <laughs> documentary anymore so you're looking a little better man it's amazing what i'll go through just to try to get uh the ocean in the background absolutely man but i'm not mad at that at all looks like some pretty big waves out there right now i need like Stuart weber and marcel robinson near me right now to help with the lighting like how does this work i got this light how does it work what's the best way to do this and by the way um i should be careful on this railing too that i'm sitting on because it's a long way down uh it's a dangerous uh, remote today for me, but uh, it's a good one. Beautiful background, just here for for you. Uh, they're uh, watching on the uh, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Twitch. Uh, we're here to bring it to you. We're at a coaches convention. Uh, Tom McPherson, the Orange Park High School head coach, putting this on. We'll get into that and what it's all about. But it's pretty cool to see all the coaches around here. It feels a little bit like a Baker Sports Media Day that we have in August leading into the high school football season. So what exactly is going on? Uh, we'll ask the coaches. We'll have some interviews coming up in just a little bit. But we've been on the big story of the day, and that is Eli Manning uh, in retiring. I, I was starting to say, Austin, I think the one thing you can say about Eli Manning and the whole Manning family is it's hard to find people to, that are going to badmouth that family. I mean, it yeah. feels like from a professional, the way you hold yourself standpoint, I'm sure there are a story, there's a story here, a story there, bad day in the grocery store, whatever it was. You just don't hear about them very often. In this day and age, you hear about everything. Uh, they handled themselves well on top of fantastic quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, And we're starting to break down a little bit where – we're talking about, you know, Peyton House being that first ballot Hall of Famer, and where does Eli stand in that? We're kind of talking about the differences a little bit um, and some of the different characteristics that, you know, to me, why does Peyton Manning stand out so much more than Eli Manning, even though they both have won two Super Bowls? And if we want to answer that question a little bit, we have to go back to when Eli first debuted, right? Because he was the second Manning to come out of college. And at the time, uh, Peyton was already kind of getting, you know, the, the prestigious, like, all right, this guy's going to be a great quarterback. But with Eli, we cannot forget what happened when he was in the draft, where he was supposed to go to San Diego and opted not to do that and said, if I get drafted by the Chargers, I'm not going. And... That was kind of unheard of. I mean, I get it's happened before in the NFL draft, but, you know, that's kind of an uncommon thing. And I think anytime, especially in football or any professional sports, where it's like you have an athlete who is like, I don't want to go there and play, you know, it kind of makes you look, in my opinion, it kind of puts you in a bad light a little bit just because, well, you're the best quarterback of the draft, right? So you should be confident to go wherever you go and win a Super Bowl. That's your job. So I think, to tell you the truth, Brent, Eli Manning got off to a rough start a little bit when he entered the NFL. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, and I uh, admittedly, I forget that part of it, too. You kind of leave that part out. Yeah. But you're right. Others have done. I think it was Bo Jackson, right? That kind of went. He didn't necessarily do it the same way, but I think he went back. Said, "I'm not. That I'm not playing. If I got to play, I think it was Tampa uh, that that drafted him originally. I think it was Bo Jackson. Why does that stick out to me? Uh, but I, it has happened in the past. That was a huge story at the time. And you're right about that. The connotation for a player to do that is, why are they doing that? Like that. That's not right. Nobody does this. It sounds like a. Hey, well, kind of what they're, the family, the Manning family, who's obviously pretty well off, uh, you kind of seem like a, 
this country club kid trying to get out of something that that everybody else signs up for. Yeah. Um, and and that's the way it comes off. Uh, but over the years, you know what he did, and, and I think maybe this helps him a little bit. He actually said, "Give me the challenge of that big New York market. I'll take all the bullets there." And you know, in hindsight, would he would he maybe better off going to a San Diego? Would have been a little bit more enjoyable at times. Playing with um, LT, man. Why not? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. A very good point there. And uh, you do forget about it, myself included. You kind of forget about that part of it. All right. I wanted to see get your thoughts. You you kind of hinted. You're like, hey, I've game plan for both of these guys. Sure. sure. So. You get a chance. This is what's cool about what you did. You get a chance to tell Ronan, your grandkids, and now, because of what you're doing, all of us, mm-hmm. what it was like to play against Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Eli Manning, all these guys, and all these guys that are really ending an era now. You know, Brady soon enough, Philip Rivers will be the same, Drew Brees will be the same. And so you've told some stories over the last year or so. But what story will you tell? Or is there a story to tell about Peyton Manning, Eli Manning? And then I'll let you elaborate a little bit in terms of how you guys went about game planning for those two quarterbacks. And I know it's more than quarterbacks. It's the entire team and what they had. But still, you start with the quarterback. Yeah, so I guess the the two stories that I'll share, and to be honest, you know, with Eli Manning, there wasn't, I don't really recollect, uh, you know, like a story that sticks out to me um, with Eli Manning. I remember we played the Giants um, in New York, I want to say it was either my first or second uh, season. I think it was my second year. Played him in New York, and I just remember Eli Manning making a hell of a throw to end up winning the ball game. We were up by, like, I think three or four with, you know, two or three minutes left, and Eli just unleashes this absolute rocket, and New York ends up beating us um, on their home field. But Peyton's a different story, right? Because I had to experience Peyton, you know, every single year. And when I got to the league, Peyton Manning was already the dude. Right, like he was already one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You knew once you got drafted by Jacksonville, and all right, man, Peyton Manning, here we go. And I, I think I, I'm not sure if I told this story or not, but it's but it's a pretty good one, and it, it's what I'm gonna tell my son when he when he gets a little older, and it's it's one I always tell all my friends because I always get asked the question. Because let's be honest, I'm a small town guy, you know, in the middle of Wisconsin, and you know, you don't see a lot of celebrities and things of that nature. And I always get asked, "Have I ever been starstruck when I played in the NFL?" And I, I and I've honestly been starstruck twice playing the game of football. Once was in Lambeau Field going against Aaron Rodgers, obviously in Green Bay, but that's another time for another story. The other time I was starstruck was Peyton Manning. And I say that because this was my rookie year, and we had played Indianapolis uh, to start out the season. I think it was like the third or fourth game of the year, and I was actually I was an actor for that game. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Josh Scobie hit like a 60-something yard field goal, or like, like a really long field goal, to win the game uh, against the Colts. You know, Josh Scobie was always known as the Colts killer. So fast forward now. Uh, it's like the second to last or third to last game of the season. We're fighting for a playoff spot. And once again, we're playing in Indianapolis and we're going against Peyton Manning. And remind you, like I, I had respect for Peyton Manning because he was one of the best quarterbacks at the time. So I obviously knew Peyton Manning, man. But this was one of the first games that actually got to start. And I'll never forget where 
the 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 scheme that Coach Tucker had our defensive coordinator called up was I was required to take the three uh, receiver. So usually we when you hear the term three receiver, that means the tight end, right? Because at the time the Colts were running a lot of two tight end formations. So you know basically if the tight end's on the line, I take him. Simple as that. So, but the key to that is the fact that I couldn't tip it away, right? Like, I, I couldn't purvey that I was going to take the three tight end. I had to get my pass rush stance because it was like third and something, third and long. So I couldn't give Peyton Manning any kind of indicator that I was going to drop back in coverage because Peyton Manning, of all people, would see that, call it out, and then you're screwed. So, you know me, I'm, I'm getting in my stance and everything like that, and I try not to tip it. I see the tight end go in motion. And my eyes start to travel with the tight end. Peyton Manning sees this. Of all the people, Peyton Manning sees my eyes follow the tight end. How he saw it, I have no idea. I mean, you got to think, Brent. There's 22 people on the football field. And while you're watching my eyes for a split second, you see this, I have no idea. But Peyton Manning watches my eyes. He gets out of the hut. Uh, I'm sorry, he gets underneath the center, stands back up, and goes, check lane, check lane, three, 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 check lane. So, so now he, he's saying my name. I am absolutely starstruck. I'm like, holy cow, Peyton Manning just said my name. And th- th- this is the middle of a game to go to the playoffs, Brent. Okay, this is there's a lot on the line. The stakes have never been higher in my short NFL career. So Peyton, favor just apologize to Jacksonville right now. I know. I'm sorry, Jacksonville. I'm sorry, Jacksonville. So Peyton Manning says my name. Well, now I'm like, oh, dang, that's crazy. So what do I do? I take that as like, all right, you try to call me out, I'm going to call you out. So for whatever reason, and I can't even explain it to this day, I get out of my three-point stance because, you know, that I didn't want to tip away anything. I stand up in a two-point stance like an outside linebacker, and now I'm saying, check Manning, check Manning, check Manning. I'm pointing at Peyton Manning and trying to give the defense an audible that doesn't exist. So basically, <laughs> I'm playing mind games for no apparent reason. And obviously, Peyton is not baffled by this. I think the linebackers in the back, if it was Daryl Smith, um, I think it was Russell Allen back there are wondering, Lane, what are you doing right now? But it is what it is. But needless to say, like I said, I had the three men. I had the tight end man-to-man. Um, man. Well, Peyton Manning knew that. He saw my eyes travel to the tight end, and he shifts the tight end all the way across the, like, all the, way across to the one receiver slot. And we didn't get out of it. So long story short, I'm in my two-point stance. I had to literally drop about 10 yards into coverage, turn my back, and try to stop. I think it was Dallas Clark at the time. Needless to say, couldn't do it. Touchdown Colts, and I go back to the sideline expecting to get chewed out. And, you know, Coach Tuck's just like, man, that was a pretty good audible. What, what, what did he see out there? I'm like, I might have looked at the tight end a little bit, and Peyton Manning saw that, and Tuck just kind of shook his head a little bit. But that's like that's my story right there from the standpoint of, yeah, I try to use a little gamesmanship, call out audibles on defense that didn't exist. But literally, just the fact that I looked at the tight end in motion for a second, and Peyton Manning picked up on that, audibled out of it, got the look that he wanted, and then scored a touchdown, man. It's insane. That's a really awesome story. Um, you know, you cost us a lot on that play, Austin Lane. Yep. Uh, not only a trip to the playoffs, uh, eventually down the road it would be Andrew Luck getting drafted. I mean, I think it started <laughs> with you, essentially. I mean, 
this is essentially all your fault. Needless to say, I'm pretty sure the game was a blower at the end of the day. So if you want to put it all on me, so be it. We still lost to Houston the next game because we had a chance to still go to the playoffs, and we yes. lost to Houston. Um, once again, I don't think it was all my fault that we lost to Houston, but if you want to put all the blame on me, Brent, so be it, dude. You're here to take it. I'm here uh, to take it, man. What what I need to know, though, is just how different was that that he saw your eyes? I mean, do other quarterbacks do that, do you think? Have you heard of other quarterbacks, that attention to detail, that knowledge, a veteran guy? I mean, I, maybe that was just the one instance, but I'm saying, have you heard of that? Like, do you no. get coached up on, hey, don't tip quarterbacks <laughs> off with your eyes uh, no. or so, something like that? No, a- absolutely not. Like, look, like if if you're going to run like a stunt, obviously you, you want to get in your same pass rush move. You don't want to tilt in a certain way if you're going to run like a tex or an exit game, you know, on the defensive line because that can tip things away with offensive line. But the last thing a coach is going to ever say, and I've never heard it, is, hey, don't look at the guy that you're covering because the quarterback might see that and check out of that. Like, to me, that's just the elite of the elite. Like, that's that's what set Peyton Manning apart from everybody else because maybe he saw this formation before. I'm I'm sorry, maybe he saw our defensive scheme before where we ran it, and maybe the eye discipline that I had, maybe this wasn't a little indicator that, yeah, they're running this play again. We, We know how to beat it. Whatever the reason was, but... I don't think there's a lot of defensive corners that they're going to say, don't look at the guy that you're taking. Yeah, incredible. Hey, one last thought on Eli Manning. You know, I've said this a lot over time. I think it's so hard replacing legends. And so uh, I always use the example Fred Taylor here in Jacksonville. One of the things that doesn't get talked about enough about Maurice Jones-Drew is that he was able to replace a guy that was so good and be good and be great, technically. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... That is hard to do in sports. Replacing great players, legendary players, legendary coaches is one of the most difficult things I I can think of. It's usually a little bit of a rebound doesn't work, and then you try the next guy, and and maybe it takes a couple years or your second move or third move when you add a player or add a coach for it to really click in and work. So it's a very hard thing to do. I think you've got to give a little credit even to like a Jimbo Fisher at Florida State for what he was able to do. Bobby Bowden goes, and things were on the downturn, so the, the... I guess the standard wasn't as high as it used to be, but if you looked at the complete resume, Jimbo Fisher goes in there and wins a national championship. There are examples of that, but I respect the heck out of that. In a different way, isn't Peyton Manning kind of that guy? Uh, Eli Manning's usually that guy. Peyton Manning sets this incredible standard for the Manning family, even surpassing his dad, and he is the man. He is the guy. He's in commercials. He's helping Indianapolis get a new stadium. He's winning Super Bowls. He's setting passing marks. He's ridiculous. And Eli Manning, I'm not saying had the equal career, but he sure had one hell of a career. And I don't think that part should go unnoticed. In the shadow of his brother, he was able to deliver big time uh, for his football team, for his football career, and uh, really helped uh, make the Manning family name one of the best in, in professional sports. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, it's like we said, Brent, they're, they're, they're two surefire Hall of Famers. And maybe the best you know, quarterback family of all time, obviously, right now. We'll see what happens in the future. But I think that, like, the, the major difference, you know, and... It's not a knock on Eli at all because the guy's got two Super Bowls um, to back that up. So you, you, you can never talk bad, in my opinion, about Eli Manning. But I think what put Peyton over the top was the fact that it almost seemed like during every single play, he had his thumbprint on what was going on. 
Yeah. Right, and, and now I say that to say, like, well, Austin, they're both quarterbacks. Of course, they're going to have their thumbprint on every single play. They're the guys that are, that are getting hiked the ball, and then you have to do something off it. And I get that. But I think from more of Peyton Manning's perspective where every single play, it seemed like he had some kind of input on it, not the offensive coordinator, right? Like, they would call their plays, Peyton comes to the line, and he sees something he, you know, he doesn't like, he audibles out of it. And now all of a sudden it's like Peyton Manning's offense. Eli, on the other hand, you know, I think was more of a system quarterback. And I know I, I, I hate that term myself, calling guys system quarterbacks. But sure, Eli could audible here and there. But you didn't feel like he had his thumbprint on that offense as much as Peyton Manning had his thumbprint on his. And I'm not saying which way is right, which way is wrong. I'm just saying, to me, that's what sets Peyton Manning apart from Eli Manning. Yeah, it's a good call, too. Uh, all right, Eli Manning retires. And uh, next stop. We think Canton, Ohio. Uh, I think we both agree on that. Uh, but uh, a lot of people debate whether that is the case. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You, you think he's said to Canton, don't you? Uh, who's that? Eli, Eli Manning? Eli. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, without a doubt, man. I mean, the guy won two Super Bowls, um, you know, played in New York. I, yeah, absolutely. I think he's top seven all-time in passing and in touchdowns thrown. Correct. So, uh, should get him into the Hall of Fame, even though his record uh, is is crazy. I think 117 and 117, I think it is, an equal 500 uh, in his New York Giants well, career. Brent, let me ask you this quick question then. Do you think if he goes to San Diego, and, and I get it, hindsight's twenty twenty, but do you think if he goes to San Diego, he has more success? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, I I, it's hard to say he had more success. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, you. I mean, I it's really you. hard. Do I think San Diego wins two Super Bowls? You know, they were not completely wrong about ownership of San Diego. San Diego ownership has always been one of question, sure. and if they handle things right, and even go back to Joey Bosa just a few years ago, where everybody's getting slotted, and and there's re- like offset language gets figured out, and you don't have holdouts. Well, Joey Bosa held out. And mm-hmm. part of that's like the San Diego organization. It's kind of been a thing. So well, I'm not saying even the Mannings were wrong there. So cra- having confidence that they were going to craft a Super Bowl winner, they've been very good at times with Phillip Rivers. But right. I think uh, when you win two Super Bowls with the New York Giants, it's hard, and, the, and the marriage between him and Coughlin, that really worked out. I, I would have a hard time saying it would have been better in San yeah. Diego. Well, And also keep in mind, too, I mean, San Diego, when Drew Brees was there, the only reason Drew Brees got hurt was because he played in a meaningless game because the GM wanted to prove the owner wrong and said you shouldn't have gone with Philip Rivers. They keep Drew Brees in the game when they didn't have to. Drew Brees gets hurt. You know, he has that shoulder surgery, and then he decides to leave San Diego. So don't forget about that as well where, yeah, it's a good point that you made up where San Diego's kind of had a laundry list of, um, you know, kind of personal issues regarding their football players. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of centerpiece of the whole discussion with those kind of quarterbacks, right? Manning, Rivers, and Breeze, and San Diego somehow fits in the middle of all that. All right, uh, we'll break from the Manning conversation. When we come back, more to come from St. Augustine, Embassy Suite, St. Augustine Oceanfront. Ah, Good view of the the ocean on a beautiful day in St. John's County. Hopefully it'll be a good weekend ahead. We're counting down to the Super Bowl. We'll be there on Sunday on the TV side. Monday from Radio Row, we're getting ready for a big trip to South Florida. Brett Martineau here, Austin Lane, back in the studio. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 rolls on from down in St. Augustine right after this. You know, a lot of people said, hey, you know, sit on it, think of it, don't rush into any any decisions. I might have rushed it a little bit just because I, I knew it was the right thing to do. I, I knew I know 100%. I'm not going to regret this. You know, when I make a decision, I commit to it and, and make it make it the right decision. And this this is it. This is the right one. It's an honor to have played here 16 years and to, to have only played here. Well, that's Eli Manning and calling it a career. 
for the New York Giants. No regrets. How hard is that? I think pretty hard. But I love when guys get out, and he still obviously has a, a ton of health. And, uh, you know, I think he could have played at an okay level. I don't think he was as good as he used to be, but an okay level. I don't think he was limping to the finish line, although some people might might differ. Yeah. Where it looked like Peyton obviously limped to the finish line. He could hardly throw the football anymore. And not to his own fault, but just the injuries that added up, and, and uh, they caught up to him at the end of the day. And that's uh, that's what ends up happening. All right, we've got a good idea coming in just a little bit from the Senior Bowl. We're going to do this in, in, in a short time. Not right now. But uh, Austin came up with an idea that we're going to draft a fantasy team uh, from the Senior Bowl to watch tomorrow and keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. And uh, that way, one, we have a little rooting interest. Correct. It's better than betting on it because that would be not a very good smart bet. What are we, Brent Degenerates? Absolutely not. We're not betting on this. Yeah, we might be. Uh, And (laughs) then uh, also gives you, you know, here's the thing. In our business, you like bragging rights. So not only bragging rights to say, hey, this is, my guy did this. uh, I won that little fantasy um, contest on Saturday at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. But... More so that if the Jags end up drafting this player, yes. I can say, I should be in the scouting department. Now we're talking. In Jacksonville. I mean, that's what I want to be able to say. Mm. So that's uh, we're going there in just a little bit. Good idea, though. I like it. So here's the deal. And if you want to play along, I'll, I'll put this out there in a little bit, and you can play along. But we're looking for a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end, and one defensive player. Correct. And so whoever has more production from the position between the picks gets one point. Yep. One point per position, most points win. So it's really a five-point contest. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously it could tie, I guess. How are we, the defense, we're just going on tackles? Or is there well, a yeah, see, something? see, and then this was kind of, this was the tricky part for me, and I didn't really think it through, to tell you the truth. But I think, like, yeah, Shocking. obviously, well, yeah, right? But obviously, like, tackles. But I think if, if a guy has an interception, well, that kind of beats a tackle. I think if a guy has a sack, that compares to... To an interception. So here's how we're going to do it, Brent. Interceptions and sacks count as the same thing. Okay. Tackles count as the same. And then a fumble recovery, you know, is the, obviously either position can get that group and then obviously a touchdown trumps all. So I think that can kind of give you a clear idea of what we're looking for. Kuz, did you write that down? No. Well, Please do. Yeah, let's just look at it like this. If your guy has two tackles, my guy has one tackles, but he has one sack, the guy that has one tackle and one sack is going to win because the sack trumps the tackles. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Um, I like it. I, th- I think that's good. I just want to make sure we're gonna the rules don't change in the next, like, 72 Because, <laughs> you know, knowing me, how all of a sudden <laughs> I had the first pick of, of our fantasy football draft this year, I'll never know. But, yes, yeah, sometimes the rules uh, do get a little adjusted. Hey, this time uh, we were in Mobile earlier in the week. Obviously, the game is tomorrow. We're going to do this little draft. I'd say about 4.30 we'll do it. Uh, but the is it monotonous by now for the players? I mean, have they done enough, seen enough? Some go home by now, Javon Kinlaw, uh, or at least not, not playing. They're not playing in the game. Um, is it? Does it get old, or, or what were you thinking? Do you remember at this stage of it, that, oh, uh, yeah. like the eve of the game? Well, yeah, keep in mind, I mean, I, I was there on short days' notice, so I literally only went through like, two practices, and then I was ready yeah, to true, play. True. But, right. but, but, but to be fair, even those two practices, I was kind of like, man, because like, you're just looking forward to playing the game, right? Because your family's coming and everything, and it's you, you kind of take this for granted, but it's essentially the last time that you get to put on your college football helmet, and, and, and then that means a lot, you know, and... I, 
I know like we shouldn't put too much stake into this game because let's be honest, not, probably not people are going to watch this game. Maybe this is the scouts will watch some footage here or there, but they're more concerned about the practices. But I'm just saying from from the athlete standpoint, from the players that are competing at the Senior Bowl, this is really their last chance to show out for the university. Whether it's like an SEC school, like an LSU, where it's like, yeah, we're national champions, and now let me remind you guys why we were that. Or whether it's a small school, you know, where it's like, yeah, I'm from a small school, but guess what? I can still play on this big stage. So all these guys that are coming out here on Saturday, Brent, they're playing for a bunch of different reasons, but this game means the world to them. So that's why I'm going to key into it. That's why I'm going to watch, and obviously we have the bet on the line now as well. So it kind of sweetens the deal a little bit. I like it. Uh, I like the bet. Uh, we're looking forward to doing that in just a little bit. We were at the coaches' convention, uh, it, which is not really that's what it's called. They'll get into the, what it's called and, and what's behind it with Tom McPherson, the Orange Park uh, football coach. And there's a bunch of high school football coaches in the area here at uh, the Embassy Suites, St. Augustine Oceanfront. And they're putting on uh, this, this few days of clinics and and stuff so it should be a lot of fun we'll talk to a couple of the coaches along the way including tom and what how this came about i i was thinking of this austin how would you be as a coach <laughs> it's, it's it's a good call you know um truth be told i don't really have a lot of coaching experience per se i coached uh our intramural girls flag football team when I was a freshman in college, so I had that. We ended up winning the championship, and we almost went to nationals. We were, we were that good. And you want to talk about Sean McVay being inventive on offense? Dude, I, I was doing Sean McVay things in women's flag football coaching before he was even doing that. So um, I was like the Sean McVay of women's flag football at college. I have that experience. I also kind of helped some neighborhood kids, the old neighborhood I used to live in. Um, I kind of coached them up a little bit because one of them was playing offensive line, so he wanted to get some techniques of what he could do for the up-and-coming season. So I helped him a little bit. But as far as, like, what kind of coach do I think I would be, man, I, I literally have no idea. I think that I would kind of have the, those old-school tendencies. I, I wouldn't cuss anybody out, but I would be pretty strict. But at the same time, if a kid needs to be lifted up a little bit, I would be the first person to do that as well. Yeah, so you'd be uh, maybe you'd be a good assistant coach. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, let's just say for those girls back at Hester's uh, College, back at Murray State, I had them run laps anytime <laughs> Grey's Anatomy. Not even joking. Anytime Grey's Anatomy got brought up, it was a popular TV show at the time, and they were all ticked off because I scheduled practice during Grey's Anatomy. Get off my back! I had to worry about college football, and I had to worry about my studies. So. 7.30, that time slot was the only time that was available for us to all make it work, and then they would get upset because they couldn't watch Grey's Anatomy. So anytime someone complained about it, I just blew the whistle. I put my finger on it in a circular fashion, and that meant go take a lap. Oh, that's good. Uh, can we do something like that for Coos? Oh, absolutely, man. Just, just give like, me a whistle, and we're good to go. Like, what should we do if Coos mentions what? How oh, if, man. Well, first of all, Coos is going to have to run down 95 if I ever see another picture of him with his shirt off. If it, well, am I going to have to be shirtless on 95? <laughs> I don't care at that stage. Going <laughs> to get his money's worth. Uh, that, that, I, I don't know what Coos can do, but we got to keep a lap oh, count. You know, that's I like that. Did. See, I like that, too. When I was playing baseball in uh, – this was more of a high school thing, but I didn't mind this, and, and I wonder how coaches feel about it. Uh, you know, if we didn't get a – Say it was a sack bunt down, um, and we were given the sign. Or if we didn't get a runner in from third with less than two outs. Sure. 
if we didn't do those kind of things, maybe we got picked off, uh, then we would have to run laps. So one, it might have been a one-lap uh, penalty. It might have been a three-lap penalty. And I think it went up to like a five-lap penalty. But the next day after a game, like it was the first thing you did is you ran your laps. You had your tally sheet oh, <laughs> and you ran man. your laps. And that's what you did. And I, I never minded that. And, I, and, and, again, this wasn't for, like, physical errors. If a kid made three errors in the game, he didn't run laps for it. Yeah. But, but if he had mental mistakes and mental errors uh, with the game of baseball, then they did. And so I, I kind of like that uh, method. And yeah. it taught you the, the small things, the little things about the game of baseball, at least in that sport. And everybody has their own different way of coaching it and doing it and, and I would say, disciplining it at its um, in their own respective sports, in their own respective coaching styles. But i got to be honest with you, like, like we didn't have, like, the greatest program coach everything in, in high school. Sure. But I remember that, and I thought that was a pretty effective way to do it. Well, I'm going to be honest, man. The, the most vicious thing that I've ever been a part of in, in terms of coaching occurred my freshman year at Murray State, and our defensive co- uh, coordinator, Coach Nagy. So we, we had a rough year my freshman year. We traveled to Indiana State, take on the Sycamores, and ended up winning the game. And we were all excited because at the time, I think we were like 0-6 or 0-7, so it was a big win for us, obviously. So we're all excited, man. You know, the bus ride back, we're, we're, we're not partying, but we're, we're cheering. And it was, yeah, it was my first college win. We're all excited. Coach Nagy, when he gets off the bus, goes, all right, guys, be be here Sunday morning, 630. I'm like, all right, that's kind of weird. Maybe he's going to give us like an early morning you know, film session, and then we have the rest of the day off maybe, whatever it was. So we get there at 6 morning. We go and watch film. We were expecting to go watch film. We sit down in our assigned seats to watch film. Coach Nagy goes, oh, there's, there's going to be no film today. We're going to go outside. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, once again, just won a football game pretty excited still still riding that high but okay let's go outside and what ended up happening was during that game we had guys that had 13 loafs so as a team total we had 13 loafs and basically a loaf is is anytime that a guy you know opts not to make a tackle essentially just takes a playoff right so he listed the guys that had the loafs once again 13 of them and in the middle of the field there were 13 chairs so like what so so the 13 guys that contributed to the loafs had to sit in the chairs. So the, so Nagy sends them out to go sit in the chairs. Now we're on the sideline like, okay, what are we doing? What's going on right now? We had to do bear crawls between the chairs as they sat down. We had to do it for 20 times down and back 100 yards. So essentially we had to do 100-yard bear crawls 20 times back and forth, um, basically until we, we threw up, to say the least. And the guys that got the loafs had to watch us do it. I'd be in the middle of it the entire time. Ah, that's a Need, reverse psychology. To, needless to say, guys didn't loaf anymore. And a part of me wanted to say, like, man, I think I had a loaf in the third quarter. Why didn't you that <laughs> one? But it didn't happen like that. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm assuming the guys that did loaf, they got an earful from the guys that didn't oh, loaf man, later but, that day. Uh, during the middle of the during the, the, the workout, Brent, during the bear crawls, man, we were yelling at him like, "Y'all should be out here doing this too." You know, this is BS and all that stuff. So it was a it was a good coaching lesson, man, because we resented those guys that loaf for a, a while, to say the least. So I, I love the the stories of the different discipline. We're gonna have some coaches on. I might have to ask them about the discipline questions. You yeah. know, and I'm talking of this is like more like. Regular stuff, you know, like like you're talking about lack of hustle, uh, mental mistakes. I'm not talking about 
you know, getting in trouble for doing yeah, really yeah. stupid stuff. That, yeah. That's a different kind of discipline. But uh, that'll be interesting to ask some of these guys. One last thing about it. You know, Paul Puzlozny, I kind of feel like he will get into coaching someday. I feel like he's going to try all these things. I feel like he's going to try the, the flying the planes. He might just do this as a hobby. Sure. But he's going to try business school. He's going to try to, to get into the workforce and be involved. And maybe he has even bigger plans. I don't know. But there's something inside me that thinks there's so much inside Puzlozny that he will be back in the game of football in some capacity sooner than later, and maybe even at the NFL level from a coaching standpoint. Maybe. It's a lot of time. There's a lot of time that goes into it. Yeah. And now that you get to be home and spend time with the family and you've got away from the grind of when you were playing, that rate may register and be like, I don't know if I want to get into that. I don't know if I want to do it to that extent. And that's fair enough. I respect the heck out of that. But I do wonder sometimes, like, did you think about going into coaching? I mean, it's a ticket. If you play in the NFL, yeah. there's a ticket to at least try it, right? We saw um, Jarris Pendleton once again at the Senior Bowl. Of course, Jaguars yeah. pick yeah. Ashland University. Yeah. Played for the Jags, played for the Colts. In the last couple of years, he's been in their scouting department. Sure. So, well, Brent, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who else we saw. We saw Coach uh, Duffner as well from, from the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. yeah. Who's still doing it's, the dang thing. Well, and, I mean, you think about, like, Jack Del Rio and, yeah. you know, went from playing into coaching. But I guess my question to you is, I know a lot of people do it, but why don't more do it? Like, why yeah. wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Uh, you were still a young guy, I guess. But, sure. like, why doesn't that interest you? Like, so, you were around the sport. You know the sport. You kind of know it from that level. Why doesn't it interest you to stay a part of it, be a part of it? First of all, let me just start off by saying if Puzz does decide to coach, which he should, and it's even in some kind of high school capacity, He's got to send me the address of the high school that he's going to coach at because my son's going to go there. Uh, I'm not even lying, man. Like I'd, I'd be that excited for Puzz to coach my son. Why I haven't done it, Brent? Because let's be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm a very passionate guy about football. I love the game. I love actually teaching the youth, if you believe it or not. But and I've been offered before to come back to Murray State and be like a kind of like a defensive line assistant or something like that, and kind of build my resume up and kind of build myself through the coaching ranks. The problem is, though, is that I've seen it from behind the scenes, and I know how much time, how much effort goes into being a great coach. Because whether it's playing in the NFL, whether it's being the best at your job, there is an ego that goes involved with it. And if I was going to coach football, I would try to be the best coach in the world. And to do that, that takes time, that takes effort, and that takes commitment. And I just think from my perspective right now, from my family's perspective, that's not fair to my family. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Well, a lot of people love coaching, especially at the high school level. That's at the root of it. We're going to talk to Tom McPherson, who's putting on a bit of a coach's clinic. He's coming up next. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We're live in St. Augustine, Embassy Suite, St. Augustine Oceanfront. Beautiful place on a not-so-bad day hanging out by the ocean. Just a lot of early indicators Eli was going to be able to handle New York and all that came with it. Part of playing quarterback. When you sign up, you sign up for all of it. You know, some guys now, they show up to the podium early after a great game, but if they don't play well, they skip their interviews. So Eli showed up every single Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday night, to do his interviews, to face the music in that market where there's no, nobody tougher, and he handled it, and that's part of playing quarterback. Well, that's Eli Manning talking about his brother Peyton. <laughs> no, Peyton. that's not. That's Peyton Manning talking about his brother Eli. <laughs> I get it right. They don't even sound alike, really, that much. We can, You know who looks a lot alike is Daniel Jones and Eli Manning. I mean, if you look from the side and some of the – I saw a shot of uh, Daniel Jones, and he 
I was like, is that Eli? Oh, no, wait, that's Daniel Jones. That's the young guy. Uh, they might have got the next Eli Manning. By the way, that was Peyton Manning. Talking about Eli Manning as Eli Manning retires after 16 seasons in the NFL. And uh, probably a good time for him at 39 years old. One heck of a career. We think a Hall of Fame career. Brett Martineau down here at Embassy Suites, St. Augustine Oceanfront. Uh, hanging out beachside, poolside, and uh, now the sun has gone away a little bit, but it certainly has been a very nice day right down here in St. Augustine, a good place to be for us, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We gave Austin Lane a little bit of a breather. This is when he usually eats anyway to get ready for his MMA training later tonight, and at least he won't spill it on the floor so he can go to the kitchen and eat his lunch. Instead, we bring in Tom McPherson. The head football coach at Orange Park, been at Baker County, been at Ridgeview over the years, doing a nice job at Orange Park right now. But this really doesn't have anything to do with the high school. This has more to do with the coaching profession in the yep. high school ranks. Yep. You have a Play Fast Football YouTube page, yep. which has done very well. You can brag about it and tell us all <laughs> about it. But before you do that, tell us, tell everybody why we're here, why you're here in this weekend convention amongst high school coaches, a lot of them in the area, but some from outside the area. Yeah, so what... Uh what we wanted to do was put something together in northeast Florida because all the major clinics normally only go to Tampa, Orlando, Atlanta. Um, there's never really been a major clinic in northeast Florida, especially in Jacksonville. And, yeah. um, you know, I've had some people that have talked about wanting to get one up here. And, you know, after about seven years now doing all the YouTube stuff, I felt like through social media and through my demographic, I felt like it was big enough to put my name on it and go ahead and do it. And, uh, you know, this is the first one we're doing. And, we uh, we sold 56 or 58 rooms two nights at the Embassy Suites right right here in the ocean and got about 150 coaches here on our first time ever doing it. So we got a we got a speaker list that's got over 1,500 wins and 14 state titles and only high school guys, no college guys, no NFL guys, just high school guys. So just wanted to give something back to the coaching community and uh, you know I just had the avenue through YouTube and what I do on the side to be able to do it. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Nice job by you, Tom McPherson, Orange Park High School head football coach. Obviously well-received. Yeah. Does that mean you guys are thirsting for something like this, though? I mean, are coaches just always trying to get the next bit of knowledge? Everybody shares knowledge. It's a competitive sport, but you're all friendly for the most part with each other. Everybody's got their rivals yeah. and maybe an enemy <laughs> or two. But is, is that turnout kind of an indication of there's not enough of this maybe going around or the yeah. game is changing, so I want that next bit of knowledge? I, I think that the turnout first year for us lets us know that we can do it you know I, I thought I could do it I've always been kind of confident in my own endeavors and you know finally looking at all my demographics on YouTube and, and Twitter and everything else I said you know what I think it's big enough I think we can pull this off and I think it just goes to show you that Jacksonville and Northeast Florida and Southeast Georgia is a is a great area for football but the amazing thing is there's 12 different states represented here wow. we got a guy from Colorado a guy from Jersey a guy from Long Island there's a guy from Michigan there's a guy from Nebraska a guy from Arkansas we got wow. a guy Speaker Rick Dollington, who's now in Alabama, used to be at Apopka. So you know, it's just this time of year, like you said, everybody's rivals and, and, and you have your rivals and all. But this time of year, everybody can kind of get along and you're out there looking for anything that can help your program. So, you know, I think the clinic business is big and we just wanted to provide an alternative to what's out there. That's pretty cool stuff. Uh, Tom McPherson uh, putting on Play Fast Football. Check it out on YouTube. That's done really Coach, well, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we're at almost 18,000 subscribers now and uh, over... 2,500,000 views on all the videos wow. we've been doing the last wow. seven years. So uh, we average about 40,000 views a month and about 5,000 hours of watch time a month. So uh, it's been really cool. It's something I started in an office at Ridgeview and walked in front of a camera, press record by myself. And, <laughs> you know, seven years later, people love it. And, and uh, it was good. It, it gives me something to do in the off season. It gives me a way to kind of um, see if what I'm teaching with our kids 
if I can't teach it to other people, then how are kids going to learn it? So started off as, as a way for me to kind of, you know, uh, see self-scout myself, self-check to see if I like what we're doing and can I teach it to people. And uh, it took off from there, and seven years later, now we're doing our clinic. And, you know, we got a Sunday night chat that we do every night on, on – uh, on Twitter under Florida High School Football Chat. So just a lot of things going on in the social media world and just trying to take coaching to another level. That's pretty cool. Uh, by the way, step in front of a camera, get up there and talk. I mean, it sounds familiar. You just watched me try to set this thing up for the last hour and 15 minutes. I've, That's what we do. So we're all doing I've that. Got my, I've got my video guy that helps me, who played for me at Ridgeview and now teaches with me at Orange Park. And But when I started this, that's literally what I did. I, I set it up um, in my office at Ridgeview, and I pressed record, and I walked out in front and said, Hey, does Coach Mack play fast football? And I had no idea where it would go from there, who would watch it or whatnot. But the, the more I started doing it now, there's other people that have started doing a lot of stuff on YouTube and, and a lot of guys are contacting and say, hey, I just want you to know you're the reason we started all this. And I watch them do it, and they've got all these live streams and all these fancy things going on. And I'm like, well, maybe I need to learn a little bit more about technology. And then all the people, I, all the fans I have on Twitter, they said, no, just keep walking in front of the camera the way you do it. It's perfect. That's why we watch it. So I said, all right, well, Colby edits some of the stuff that I do now. I started doing podcasts about Three weeks ago, just random thoughts on football and golf and music and pro wrestling and other things I'm interested in. So uh, we're kind of going, play fast football is now going in, in a bunch of different directions. And, you know, I wanted to give back to the coaching world, but at the same time, I've been a head coach for 22, 23 years. I have two daughters now, and me and my wife are both teachers. Our salaries are what they are. They're not changing. So I had to kind of do something out there in the business world to start figuring out how I can make other money because my job didn't allow me to do anything else. And so, uh, you know, it's good. It's, it's been a great time. And when you contacted me about doing a radio show out here, I never thought anybody would contact me about doing anything. It's awesome, you know. So I think it's uh, it's got a great reach. I think we're doing a great thing, and I think it's going to be good. Yeah, well, you know how big high school football oh, yeah. is around here. We love it and yep. love talking about it. This is a little bit different time frame. We don't usually talk about it this time. No. But uh, I think it's cool having all the familiar faces that you get to see, including yep. Baker Sports is out here. Yep. Dome Hats is out yep. here. Josh Baker, Jeff Whitaker, those yep. guys are really supportive of, of a lot of things in Jacksonville. They've been huge to us. They've been football. huge to us. And good to see them supporting this yeah. endeavor for you as well and to the Embassy Suites, yep. uh, St. Augustine Ocean great you know, you have so it's go check it out. By the way, subscribe to it or, or see what Coach is doing. Just look up Coach Mac on YouTube. Yeah, and, play fast. Yeah, uh, well, it's, it's under YouTube. Coach Mac on YouTube, okay. but everything I is do that is what it is. Coach yeah, it's Mac, Coach, Mac. Coach Mac. So I'm surprised you didn't run into it. like five million Coach Macs. Uh, we may have at the start, but you know, I don't know. Either we did it better than them, or we did it different than them. But there's one Coach Mac. It's MAC, by the way. Anybody that's MC shouldn't be able to call themselves Coach Mac. Okay, all right. So MAC, Coach Mac, and uh, while you're there, if you have 18,000 subscribers, how about a shameless plug for Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690? If you're already on YouTube. Follow yeah. along, subscribe, yeah. check it out. You can see the show daily from 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. You said something that hits with me, and I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what it is, but you mentioned coaches that are going to Alabama, and we see coaches that are going to Georgia, and you guys just don't get paid a lot of money down here, and in other places they do. Yep. I, I'm not going to – you could go on for you – can, you can save that for YouTube or your <laughs> podcast because you can go on for a long time. But Cliff's Nose version, is there a way to fix it? And how big of a problem is it? Because if you're losing really good coaches yeah. here in Northeast Florida, by the way, at pretty good programs and some homegrown guys, the guy that replaced you, Jamie Rogers, at Baker County, yeah. he's a homegrown guy who did really well and still left. Yeah. To me, that's a big red flag. Is big there time. any fix in the future? Is there a way to do it? Uh, you know, right now, the way that salaries are, I mean, guys that want to make the jump if they're young enough to do it. Um, you know, Georgia's the way to go. Georgia's 
how you want to do it. They do it the right way, and and uh, you know Alabama and some other local states, North and South Carolina, and and uh, you know until the salaries change or until they allow people um, to to pay football coaches separately from you know the 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 salaries themselves. So if our salaries for teachers are only going to be up to you know x amount of dollars if we if we don't find a way to to pay some coaches separately these guys that are successful are going to find places that are going to do it yeah. and they go up to georgia and make a hundred and twenty thousand dollars how can you blame them yeah no you know, i don't so blame I, them i don't blame them at no all. i don't blame them at all and i i don't know i don't i don't study enough about the system to know I, I just feel blessed to coach football i have five weight training classes in a field house and i mean my job i couldn't ask for a better day job and and you know it, it's just something that I don't know how we change it. I don't know if it's ever going to change. They just recently started talking about new teachers and 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 bill a bill for new teachers to yeah. start at X amount. Well, what about people that have been teaching for 20 years? What are you going to do for us? Yeah, yeah. You're going to start a new teacher higher than some of these people that have yeah. been here for 15 years? So, it's just weird in Florida because the talent is so good and everybody just equates football and high school football to being this juggernaut. And then when you tell, I've interviewed guys from out of state all the time and they come down and they go, wait, the salary's what? Yeah. In Florida? And I said, yeah, sorry, bud, this is what we this got. This isn't Texas. No. no. So, you know, I, I just don't know if we can fix it. And I think one of the things they're afraid of is I, I think they worry about paying a football coach too much. And then, you know, it becomes, you know, winning has become so important now. And I never thought a guy in high school football in my life would get fired for losing. Yeah. But it's happened. It does so happen. I think they were worried about maybe paying guys and then the juggernaut effect of, you know, what happens from okay, this guy gets so big, we can't pay him enough, and, and now he runs the school. I, I, I don't know what they're worried about, but other states do it, and they do it well. And well, when they didn't lose, when you don't pay, uh, or if you do pay, yeah. there's something in about this. There's a passion that you guys have about it, and, yeah. and teachers are like this. not always a teacher, yeah. and, and coaches are like this. It's not You don't do it for the money. No. That's not why I asked the question. I'm not <laughs> no. saying you wanted to make it make six figures doing it. It'd be great if you could. Yeah. But when other people are getting that, you're yeah. like, well, wait a minute. Here, we've got some of the best football the, around. We've got some yeah. of the best coaches around. Let's keep them. That's my thing. Let's keep them down here. But all these guys in this room, 150 coaches, they love coaching football. Yeah. What, why? why? Why does it still get you after all these years? There's a lot of things that drive drive people nuts about kids these days, you know? Well, probably for most of us, is it, it probably at some point during our life either saved our life or kept us out of trouble or, you know, I mean, I'm one of those small school Division three football players and, you know, I... I paid to play football in college because if i didn't play in college i wouldn't have went to school you know so i needed somebody watching over me and i needed you know somebody making sure i was going to class and doing all those things and i didn't feel like i could handle college on my own without playing a sport i think i would have flunked out and cost my parents you know a ton of money so i think every coach in there has a story and something that you know they probably give back to say hey if high school football was if it wasn't for high school football man i don't know where i'd be and i think we try and do that for kids and we try and do it for other people and i know for me so many of the coaches in my life were so pivotal in in where my career went and what I chose to do for a living that you know an event like this is my way of giving back to the coaching profession to say hey man I, I love what I do I, I thank God every day that I get to do it because I don't know if I would I don't know if I could do anything else I'm yeah. from Long Island all my friends are either on Wall Street or maybe city cops or firemen or whatever but I don't know even though I spent 20 years in new york i don't know if i could make that life i couldn't i couldn't go into manhattan every day and you know yeah you make a lot of money or whatever but that's just not me i'm not wired that way and 
So I don't really don't know anything else I would want to do, to be honest with you. Well, that's pretty cool. There's a lot of thankful parents and and, uh, and kids, I think, for everything you and, and all these other coaches are yeah. able to do because it's a lot about life yeah. just as much as it is about sports, yes. and we know that. In fact, okay, I've got to let you go in a couple minutes. But okay. uh, we were asking before, I was seeing if Austin Lane could be a coach. Like, I'm like, well, why do you get out of the NFL? Why don't you just go coach? I mean, it's an opportunity maybe there to do it. But we were talking about discipline. Yeah. Like when when what would you do in in certain disciplinary situations? Or what will they let you do? Or what will they let you do? <laughs> but but not like so. I'm talking from like punishment that you can do. Like I remember running laps in baseball a lot. Yeah. I was telling oh, yeah. the story. I said if I didn't get a bunt down, the next day I had to run yeah. like three laps around the field. And they kept like a little tally sheet. Yeah. Like we had a hill in college and we had to run if you yeah. if you screwed up. And this thing was a hill now, <laughs> and it was a lot of hills. What, get, what, what's the punishment at Orange Park or through the years? I mean, uh, what what do you like? Is there one that you're like, man, these guys are dying. These guys are these guys are fading on me. They're gonna hate me for the next I, like week because of this. I know for me personally, like you know, when I was younger, I could have ran for days. So you could punish me however you want. The one thing for me, don't take me out of the game. Don't sit me. That's the one. I, I still to this day use playing time as much as I can because that's the one that hits home with players. Yeah. You know, and, and like in the NFL they talk about hitting their pocketbook and you know, we don't have that but we have playing time. Yeah. And Everyone a lot of wants kids play. and a lot but when you're in shape and you're a young kid, it's like, All right, coach, what are you gonna make all right, run these hills? Okay. Yeah, it's tough, I get it, but I can run all day. Let's go. Good point. How about you know, like when kids are late to class or whatever and you explain to them and you say, Okay, how about this? Well, coach, I was only two minutes late. All right, well, I'll put you in two minutes into the game instead of you starting tonight. No, whoa, whoa, hold on. That's what the value of two minutes is. Yeah. You think you're only two minutes later. Hey, coach, I checked in 20 minutes late. You know, uh, I my ride or something happened or whatever. I said, okay, what if I put you 20, 20 minutes late tonight? You know, and you just try and get the kids to understand how important athletics or football or baseball is in their life. So instead of running, Brian, how about this? You'll get in in the fourth inning. Yeah. Well, Coach, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to start when the game starts. So, you know, we've done everything else like everybody else. We've run them. We've, we try when our kids get in trouble. We try and, you know, we run sprints or gassers or we do, you know, we do up-downs or, you know, bear crawls or anything else. But I think at the end of the day for me, I've been doing this 23 years, if you really want to get a kid's attention, playing time. Yeah. But what most of the time coaches aren't going to do that because guess what? In high school you only have so many good players, and if you start sitting them, but that's if you want to get somebody's attention, that's how you do it. No, no, that, then the parents start calling too. The parents are the worst. They're gonna you don't have to say it, but the parents are the worst. They're going to yell no matter what. I am one of those. No, now, they're they're going to yell. I am no one of those. I can't wait to beat down on those uh, <laughs> high school coaches uh, if they make the team. They've, they've all they've all got great plays, and you know we should blitz more and play more zone, play more man when we. You know, when we run the ball, we should have threw it. When we throw it, we should have ran it. And it is great. Now the great thing in, in football is every play you run is an RPO. It, well, I was going to ask you that. So uh, let's wrap up with this. In those rooms, in the clinics, what's being said? How's the game changing? What is the high school game today? Because we've really seen now, uh, a, I feel like a college game that was born from high school concepts yeah. and all the throwing around yeah. and the RPOs and, and that kind of, I think. Uh, and now the NFL game is being bred from the college game to adapt. It's kind of uh, going, back, degree, it's kinda right? going backwards. <laughs> but it all seems to start in high school, believe it or not. I mean, from from my point of view, what are they doing now? What what is the latest rage that if I pulled all these coaches, you're running this versus that? I think it, you know every year it's the same thing. Whatever whatever's the hot ticket, you know, a couple. 10, 20 years ago, it was zone blitzes, and everybody wanted to be 303 deep and fire zone blitz, and and then you know spread came out, and you know maybe Rich Rodriguez was one of the first guys to do it at D2 and at Glenville in West Virginia, wherever he was, and everybody wanted to be spread, and everybody wanted to be shotgun, and everybody wanted to be zone read, you know, and uh, it's just whatever's hot, the, the the you know the the flavor of the month right now. But the great thing about high school football is there's still guys in that room that are winning state titles running the wing tee. Yeah. There's still guys. Rick yeah. Darlington's going to speak on single wing, you know. 
high school football is still fortunate enough to where everything that we grew up on and everything that we knew you can still run. Um, but what we try to do is every speaker, like right now Coach Wiles is in there and he's doing uh, building a program to last and, and having consistency as a head coach and a little bit, you know, some culture stuff. But Matt Lawrence from Bowles is in the other room doing O-line stuff. Okay. And then, you know, tonight uh, we're supposed to have Daryl Sutherland doing offense in one room while Randy McPherson from Lowndes, who just won, uh, just had a runner-up this year, but he's the only coach to ever win a state title in Florida and Georgia. He's doing 3-4 defense. So, you know, I think defensively now the big thing that you're starting to see, at least at our level and in the college level, is because of the personnel on the field and because of the tempo stuff, people are starting to play with more back-end players. So you're starting to see more 3-4, 3-3-5. You know, the Big 12 is famous for it with Iowa State doing it a bunch and then Texas taking it on. And So, you know, high school guys gravitate to that and say, hey, we need to stop the spread stuff. What do we got to do? All right, well, put more back-end players, you know, play. You know, we've been playing three-safety stuff for – probably five, six, eight years now since TCU and Gary Patterson started doing it. and So we use three safeties. Now you're seeing a lot of teams start to use three safeties in college instead of playing a Sam linebacker because they can't get the matchups that they want when teams go spread, empty, four wide, whatever it is. And, you know, now the funny thing is, you know, if you ask me about it, I, you know, I think Mike Vrabel had a lot of success with the Titans because he's got a college – he was at Ohio State for a little bit. He's yeah. seen that stuff. Yeah, yeah. These NFL guys have been – you know, as good as they are, a lot of these NFL coordinators have been used to going after Dan Marino and Peyton Manning and put an X on the ground. Here's where he is. Here's where the launch point is. Here's where all our pressures are. He's never going to carry it. You start getting some of these guys now that all of a sudden, you know, the RPOs and, and you know, the zone read game with Lamar Jackson and even, you know, Patrick Mahomes. And the NFL's not used to that. It's a, it used to be a big man free, one high, you know, a lot of your best corner goes and covers their best receiver everywhere. and Well, that means a lot of other people are playing man, and that quarterback sticks it in somebody's gut, pulls it, and everybody else is playing man-to-man, and now he's not you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. He's Lamar Jackson running around the edge. You know, These NFL guys had to now go back and start saying, wait a minute, what, how do you guys do this in college because we've got to defend it now. And Andy Reid has a guy on his staff that he pays to study college football. How about that? He, he pays an analyst on his staff to study what the best offenses in college football do, and then that guy reports back to him. So, you know, it's crazy. You know, you bring up a great point, but it's crazy. The game is almost flipped now to where the NFL is taking ideas from college, and, and they're all kind of maybe taking some ideas from high school because high school is still the ultimate. Even even with all the crazy open enrollment and the stuff that goes on now with players being able to go wherever they want, high school coaches have to be the most resourceful because I don't I play with a deck of cards that's dealt to me. I don't know who's coming in. I don't know if I got a quarterback. I don't know if I have a running back. I don't know how big my line is. So you got to win with you what you've you got. Twenty two. You hope, yeah, you hope you have enough. <laughs> you hope you have enough, and 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 you hope you have some players here or there. But the bottom line is, in high school, guys find a way to win. Yeah. So you got to go out there and do whatever it takes to win. And you know, in the NFL, in in college, I'm going to work. The biggest thing, like in the NFL, when when you guys do all your stuff with the Jags all the time. Okay, well now Jay Gruden comes in. What's he want to run? Does it fit what we have? Who do we got to draft? Who do we got to sign in free agency? If we change the defensive coordinator, 4-3 to 3-4 in the NFL changes your whole roster. So those guys can do that, and they can make trades, and they can go out and have free agents and do things, but they build it around who their coaches are. Well, shoot, i got to show up and coach what i got, so i got to be able to coach spread. i got to be able to coach some wing T stuff. i got to be able to run the ball. we got to be able to throw it and so I think high school guys can be a little bit more resourceful at times because you have to. Extremely well said. And, by the way, Austin Lane says it all the time. You've got to craft your defense, your offense, to the players that you have. Yeah. There's not enough of that potentially yeah. in the NFL. You and kind of just echoed that. Hopefully, though, you know, I mean, as Jacksonville people, we, we know right now we you just you can't miss as often in the draft as, as you've missed, unfortunately. We've got to, you know, 
hit on some, especially at the quarterback position and other things. But I don't think people realize all the time when you see a coaching change like Jay Gruden coming in to run the offense, that's huge because he's got all these guys are great coaches, but you can't just run any scheme with any player. You've got to fit your offense to what it is that's out there and what you're good at. And, you know, or do you got three or four good tight ends and you're going to use it that way? Do you got two or three good backs? You got four wides? What are you going to do? And then when you make that change, all right, let's go out and find those players now. Let's sign some or trade for some or draft some. And, you know, I mean, it's. It's a big deal in, in the NFL, but at least they get to build their team. Yeah. We don't get to build ours. Yeah, you're giving it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Coos, uh, just let Austin take the rest of the show off. McPherson's good here. He, you're talking Jags. I mean, heck, he might have some knowledge about hoops or well, something. Next. Austin's training for MMA, so I don't want to take his job. Well, don't and don't, well, don't challenge him. And he's a game. well, no, he's a big guy. I'm not messing with him. Uh, one uh, somewhat somber thought: uh, all these coaches around here, and I don't know your relationship. Buddy Nobles uh, oh, passed huge. away. Uh, now up in Georgia. Well, most recently up in Georgia, yeah. but. Uh, you know, Union County ties. Yeah. Uh, I, kind of a little bit before my time, if I'm being honest, I've been around here a dozen years. Yeah. The impact he made on a lot of folks uh, uh, in this coaching community, can you put it into some Interesting words? segue, Brent. Buddy was supposed to speak here. He was. Buddy was Buddy was on the schedule to speak. He was one of the first calls I made. I met Buddy about 18 years ago, uh, going to FACA meetings, um, all-star voting and stuff like that, when, when I was first at Ridgeview and he was at Union County at the time, and they were having a meeting at Interlock in high school at that time. We look forward every year to seeing each other, and we couldn't have been any different on the outside. I had just got here from Long Island, and he's, you know, as southern as southern can be. And but on the inside, we were the same person. You know, we knew why we did it, we knew why we loved it, and then we coached an all-star game together. And I was running some more spread stuff, 2002, 2001, whatever. And he was wing T guy, you know, fullback, trap, all these other things. But he's coming from, he's competed for state titles at Union County, and he's just got done coaching C.J. Spiller and all these other guys, and you know. We made the playoffs my two of my first three years at Ridgeview, but I didn't have the pedigree of of, of a Buddy Nobles. And I do an All Star game, and I'm the offensive coordinator, and he's coaching running backs or something like that. And he was the most humble guy. He wanted to learn about the spread, and I'm thinking, why are you listening to me? You know, I mean, you've done so many great things in high school that I haven't even scratched the surface of. And he treated me with such respect all the time, and we became really good friends and talked every off season about different things. And when I put this event together, he was one of the first people I called. I wanted a wing T guy, and I knew he was a wing T guy. And um, you know, so it's just you know, it's sad that we were able to pull this thing together and and then find out that you know he couldn't make it, and then obviously this week find out that unfortunately he passed. And um, you know, it, it just it stinks because he was one of the good ones in high school football. You know, now he was a great coach, but he was a good man. You know, and he was a good person, and um, so. I'm just glad he got the state title. You know, I'm glad he was able to see that run through, and um, I would have loved him to speak here at this event. But you know, I, I love the guy to death. He was great to me, and, and we're gonna miss him. I uh, lost a battle with cancer. Uh, the prayers out to Buddy Nobles and the family, and so many in the coaching community. I can see you. You're a bit emotional about yeah. it. Thanks for sharing those words, yeah, though, no problem. about it. And I know that that name certainly uh, carries a lot of weight. Yeah, and we're gonna make sure during tonight's sessions. I'm gonna make sure during each session we let everybody know that you know keep. Buddy Nobles and his family and your thoughts because he was supposed to you know, be here. He's one of the first calls I made, and he was on the docket. He was on the schedule. He was right after he won a state title. I texted him, congratulations, and he texted me back, can't wait to be at the Play Fast Clinic, man. I th- thank you so much for asking me to speak in typical you know, Buddy Nobles fashion. So humble and so respectful. He just won a state title. Yeah. I went 5-5 five and five again. You know, And he's like, thank you so much for inviting me to speak at this clinic. It's going to be great. I can't wait. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's a sad day, but, you know, uh, he got his, his state title. He made an unbelievable impact in the game of football, and you know we'll miss him forever. But his his 
what he did for kids and what he did for high school football, you'll never lose. Yeah, left a big impact yeah, and a legacy huge. for sure. And, and not only on you, but I bet you'd be proud of you and what you pulled off today. I play appreciate Play Fast it. Clinic, Play Fast Football. Check it out on YouTube. Congratulations, man. Invite us back, will you? No, oh, I will. All right. I will. Tom McPherson. Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. High school head football coach. Really a lot of fun talking football with Tom McPherson. We'll uh, have another coach on or two along the way before we're done. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Rolls on. Hopefully Austin is well fed, well rested, and back in the saddle. Because we have a fantasy senior bowl draft to do. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to say that with a straight face. We really do. Fantasy football senior bowl. Play along with us. It's coming up next on ESPN 690. Got all the talent. Physically, athletically, super intelligent. Had a really good career at Oregon. He didn't have that wow game, though, where he looked like the defined number one pick in the draft. He's a great kid, high character, incredibly intelligent. On the field, though, at times you say, well, something might be missing because I don't see what I expect to see in terms of just a performance that says, man, this guy's got to be the number one guy in any draft. But Justin Herbert, uh, certainly on talent, he's going to go in the top ten and somebody's going to roll the dice. We've seen quarterbacks that can't even touch Herbert in terms of a going in the 10 to 15 area i would think justin herbert goes in the top 10 oh mel kuyper's back welcome back that means draft talk <laughs> Kuz, i was gonna say you, you must have found my mel kuyper talk about me until he said justin herbert because everything that he was echoing um uh, is what i was hearing coming out of murray state Interesting. Uh, it sounded very similar to yes. you and Justin Herbert, your yes. scouting reports, yeah. 2010 to 2020, <laughs> a decade later, eerily the same. I think, I think did we just accuse Mel Kuyper of just really ripping past scouting reports off and then just adding a different name? Uh, you know, I'm not going to point any fingers, Brent, but I said what I said. You can go back and listen to the audio and make the judgments for yourself. Uh, I have breaking news. Okay. This is very big breaking news. It's important breaking news. Sweet. So there's been a lot going on here today. Been trying to get this all set up. Trying to get the shot to look a little bit better. A little inside the business. When you're under a uh, covering and it's a little bit dark and the outside and the beach is kind of bright and nice, it, it makes it a difficult thing. But I have light now all of a sudden. So we figured it's out. Shot looks a lot better. Coos helped it out as well. Yeah. So there's that. At the same time, Coach Tom McPherson stopping by. We're at his Play Fast clinic with a lot of coaches in the area talking football. So it was a great conversation, on. by the way. I heard he most was, of it. So He was tremendous. I, I yeah. bet there was a time there you were probably locked in because he was talking X's and O's, and it was fun stuff to Well, listen I was to. very locked in when you offered to give my job away to him, but it is what it is. Please continue. I was kind of hoping you were in the bathroom at that time. That I was not, listening uh, with, with my ears perked up. So then... On top of all this, it's like sometimes my wife forgets, I think, that I have a radio show. Although, I think she, I was supposed to help her out. See, we our insurance changed, and she's been asking me for days and days. So, to her credit, I, I just haven't delivered. But she asked me, with all this stuff going on, ties at the doctor's, 4 o'clock, doctor appointment. All, all good, but doctor's appointment. And uh, so she needs a change of insurance, and so she's asking. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not going to be fine the, this in the next few minutes. i got too much going on. But uh, the most important part of the story, Ty did go to the doctors. And, I mean, we need some celebratory, forget about the one-year anniversary. He's doing it. Tyler Martineau has hit 90 pounds. Oh, okay. Nice. We have hit the 90-pound mark. Dude, yes, we have. Let's get some crowd Almost audio going. 15, we hit the 90-pound mark before 15 years old. It has happened to Tyler Martineau. 
Congratulations <laughs> to all of us. That's it. That's my breaking news. I don't. Yeah, I don't care if you think that's big news. There that's big news for the family. Well, no, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, what, what kind of sub-toy saw? There we go. There's the crowd <laughs> coming in. I thought that was like no. Cruz's version of breaking news. Dude, like, are we, are we kind of trying to preview a Disney Channel show here? What are we doing with that song? <laughs> Anyways, congrats to Tyler. Hey, congrats to I, man. Uh, from all of us here at ESPN 690, big day for you. Not going to lie, I thought Brent had some Yannick Ngakwe news, so I was pretty excited about that. Not <laughs> saying he didn't deliver because it's breaking news, but my head was in, I guess, different areas of expecting something else. Hey, Jan, you'll get your $100 million at some point from somebody. We got a guy that just hit 90 pounds, man. It's a big moment. It's a milestone moment in the, yeah. in the Martineau household. I like it, so, man. So uh, here we are, right down the date. What is the date? January 24th. January 24th, a few months before he was about to turn 15. That's awesome. We hit the 90-pound mark. Just to give you an example of why this is such a big moment, I work with somebody that, by the way, everybody's out there like is listening and has a kid around 14 or 15 or 13 or 12 or 11 maybe has hit the 90-pound mark. Or, um, or so, m- m- my son being four years old. But, yeah, okay, please continue. And if, and if, <laughs> yes, your son is four years old. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. Uh, and this is, if Ty's listening, this has nothing to do with Ty. It's all dad's fault, bad genes, all that <laughs> stuff. He, he eats a lot. He tries to, to get after it, but he just, it's taken a while. Yeah. And that's okay. He's patient. He handles it really well. I like but, it. Um, just to put this in comparison, there's a, a buddy of mine that might work with us, just not on the radio side, that uh, has a son who just turned 15 on Monday. So, so it's three months different than Ty. Sure. He's 193 pounds. What? And not like I'm talking sitting there playing video games sloppy, 193 pounds. Yeah. He's 193 pounds. Dang. Does he play sports? Yeah, he okay. plays football and, and he plays right. baseball. That's all you got to say. That. Okay, that's all you got to um, say. That, that's all I'm giving him love. I mean, I can't, yeah. I can't give him any more love. Okay, okay but, but that's impressive. Plus, I, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm jealous at times. All right, sure. We're, we're, uh, so this, this is why this is a big moment. <laughs> I mean, it's a hundred pound difference. <laughs> so, uh, Ty, congratulations. I told Ty, Ty's so much fun with this stuff. Yeah, he's, he's so much better than than I was when I was a kid, and I was like trying to put on weight, and I was, I was like, man, oh man, what the heck. But he's he's really good about it, and he's been really patient. And he just keeps grinding, keeps grinding. And uh, but I've been kidding him the last couple of weeks, probably a couple of months. Said, hey, dude, we are throwing a ninety party. Yeah. I mean, when you hit ninety, it's a big. Th- we're inviting everybody. Well, so I've invited uh, informally invited a lot of people to a party. I don't know where it's going to be at, but. Uh, we just had a little party on the radio. On Can I be the DJ for it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, Coos. That wasn't a, a pretty good uh, moment to put on your resume. I don't think Ty wants the Disney music. Well, we need a little, like, Metallica or something. Coos, can you imagine when Ty eclipses the century mark, probably in senior year of high school, what Brent's going to do? Like, he's going to be gone for probably the month. I'm going to have to do the show by myself. He's going to be so excited. Yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, that could be true. So the next quest is 100. Let's get it, man. The drive for 100. I like it. Yeah, so uh, that's a that's a good moment. See, here's the deal. Uh, one last thing, and I think he now is listening, as Steph has told me to probably shut up, but I'm not going to. Um, so this poor kid. A, <laughs> I had a poor time. I kill him. Um, but so the last, so he's around 88, right? 88.6. We go away the holidays. And he's he gets on the scale at home. The hot the scale was broken for a little bit. Didn't have a battery. It wasn't broken. And so they get it working. Not me. I don't. I don't change batteries. But yeah, Steph yeah. got it working, and 
So he hit. He tells me, he's like, quietly tells me, because I think he really is afraid of this party that I might throw him, that he's like 90.2. I'm like, ah, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Next day, he's like 90.4. Okay. Next day, nine, or next couple of days, 90.6. So now he's like jumping on that thing all the time, thinking every time he gets on, he gains like 0.2 pounds. Absolutely, man. I like but, it. But you know the real deal, Austin. You had to go to the doctor's office to get it official. Oh, because that's where it's at, yes. at home... I might have put a little steroids in the <laughs> scale. <laughs> the scale. Yeah, I try to up it. Hey, but listen, man. I mean, when it comes time for the NFL Combine and those weigh-ins, it's just like the doctor's office, baby. It's exactly the same thing where those scales are down to the T. So if you weighed in at over 90 at the doctor's office, that's as good as going to the Combine and doing it um, you know, in his, in his spandex or whatever. So props to Ty for getting the job done. The, the road to 100 starts now because you can't just be satisfied with 90. Now it's the drive for 100, and we go on from there. Hey, Coos, what is happening? We're partying. Hey, I like it, Coos. I like that one a little more. Is, is this like some band that you signed to your label that you're trying to promote right now? Yeah, check them out on my uh, Twitter page. Oh, yeah, but more like under MySpace. Who are these people? MySpace. Who That's are a nice these throwback Where do you right get there? these songs? All right, what plenty of shakes to come. The quest for 100 begins. The weekly weigh-in here on Action Sports Jackson on ESPN <laughs> 690 for Ty. Um, but uh, big moment, big moment. That was breaking news. And so much so is a big moment. I spent a whole segment on it, and we're going to get to the Senior Bowl draft right after this. Coos, let's take a time out. We're live down in St. Augustine. Coaches convention, I need a break to tell all the coaches all about it. <laughs> Let them know, man. Let them know. Congrats, Ty. <laughs> I think uh, we're more excited about it than Ty, probably. We'll have another shake, kid. Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Our fantasy senior bowl draft. Jump in. The fun. We need a quarterback, a wide receiver, a running back, a tight end, and a defensive player. You get five players for tomorrow's big game. A lot riding on this one. Next on ESPN 690. I think there's a bright future. You know, I don't. I know Daniel. You know, I appreciate a lot of things about him and, and the fact that he, he, he loves the game of football. He is passionate about it. He works extremely hard, and so you appreciate those things. If if that weren't the case, it might have been harder to kind of go through this situation, but you see the way he conducts himself, and, and I think uh, he's got a bright future ahead of him, and so do the Giants. That's Eli Manning talking about the New York Giants and what's ahead for them now that they've turned the page on the Eli Manning era officially, even though it kind of felt like they did that this year, with Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones is a guy that somebody <clears> – <throat> Somebody might have found a little bit at the Senior Bowl a year ago. Uh, name's Brent Martino here in St. Augustine. <laughs> Embassy Suite, St. Augustine. Catch yourself the back a little harder. But, yes, Brent Martino <laughs> did indeed. He was part of the, the, the old Martino team last year, the Senior Bowl. And I cannot wait who's going to be on the team this year. Because he, he, he's got he's to follow up with this, Coos. Like, if, if he can kind of predict who the next big quarterback and the next big player is going to be two years in a row, then I think we say goodbye to Brent Martin of ESPN 690 because the NFL Network will definitely be giving him a call. Yeah, Brent Martineau here at the uh, Embassy Suites down at the uh, Coaches Clinic here in Northeast Florida, put on by Tom McPherson. Play Fast Football, check it out on YouTube. Play Fast Clinic happening right now as we speak. Tom joined us a little bit ago. Embassy Suites here in St. Augustine. This is a pretty cool place. and uh, uh, Beautiful AAA four-diamond Embassy Resort. So uh, come on out. Uh, you can overlook the ocean. Best views for lunch on the beach. They have a lot of different spots. I've never been here before. This is fantastic. Gem, 
down in St. Augustine. And uh, world-class service in Harvest and Real. That's a restaurant. Uh, coastal Cuisine. Open to everybody, not just guests here at the Embassy Suites. Brent Martineau here in St. Augustine. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack Studios. All right, let's see if we can do it again. Let's find let's the it. folks from the Senior Bowl that could pay dividends for NFL teams and maybe even the Jacksonville Jaguars. You came up with the idea. Here is the concept. You have to pick quarterback, a wide receiver, a running back, a tight end, and a defensive player. Yes. We each get a guy that can't be the same guy. And we whoever outperforms at that position gets a point. And we keep track of points going into tomorrow's Senior Bowl. This is really just one way to wager on the Senior Bowl without absolutely being a degenerate and wagering on the Senior Bowl. <laughs> yes, and basically I thought to myself, you know what? I won this year's Fantasy Football League for ESPN 690, beat Brent the, the championship. And you know what, man? I, I got that taste in my mouth. I want some more. So I initiated this, and hopefully I win again. All right, so let's go. Because of that, you get the first pick. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, Brent. So we're going to go back and forth with the first picks, right? So we're going to go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and then defense. Ready? Okay. Okay. So for my quarterback, I am selecting Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert's got the most to prove um, at the Senior Bowl. He's been ranting and raved all week with his performances that he's been doing in practice. And I just feel like a guy who opted to stay an extra year, who a lot are calling maybe a mistake to do that, I think he's got a lot to prove and a reminder in a very deep quarterback class that he is indeed the guy. So I'm taking Justin Herbert. All right, I like it. Uh, here's the guy I'm getting. If you noticed on Monday and Tuesday, a person that had a ton of interest with the media okay. and I think is an intriguing guy because I've seen his name in mock drafts, like in the first round, and I really don't know a whole heck of a lot about him, is Jordan Love. Ah, and yep. I think Jordan Love could be sneaky coming out of this game. Again, from Utah State, the quarterback. Now, he's made some mistakes uh, you know, in the college career. I mean, everybody does, but I'm saying he's made probably more mistakes and bigger mistakes that, that red flags people. But he also has the uh, tendency to make some big-time plays. So keep an eye on Jordan Love tomorrow. That's my QB. He'll outperform Justin Herbert on Saturday in the Senior Bowl. All right, man. We'll see what happens. And also keep in mind, too, with Justin Herbert, he is a mobile quarterback. And especially playing these all-star games where you don't necessarily have the best connections with the receivers, sometimes instincts take over and sometimes you can use your legs a little bit. So that's kind of why I was gearing toward uh, Justin Herbert as well. But uh, to, to be fair, though, your guy and Jordan Love, a lot of comparisons to actually Patrick Mahomes. So it should be an interesting matchup. All right. Running back is up next. Running back is up next, and you have the first pick, sir. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Oh, good. I was going to have the first pick because I think I might steal a guy that you're going to be interested in. Uh-oh. Who you got? I think. Hold okay. on. i got to find him now. Okay. I just lost him. Uh, I just want to make sure I say his, his name completely right. All right. It's Darius Anderson out of TCU. <sighs> I stole your guy, didn't I? Uh, I stole him. You dude, gave me the pick. That's the way this works. <laughs> to be fair, he was top. He was my top three, and I, I really considered him because he's a very dynamic player. But please go on and tell us why you picked maybe my former pick. Well, you kind of helped me out here a little yeah. bit because we were looking at, when we were going to Mobile and we were saying, okay, who can the Jags find? What makes sense? And we were having these conversations. You know, you said all along, a lot of credit to you here, the Jaguars did not have a back that was um, a change of pace back from Leonard Fournette or even the Raquel Armstead type. Uh, even if you look at the backs that they had in camp that they thought they might be able to rely on, Al Blue, those kind of guys, they didn't really have that. And you red flagged that way back in the spring. Well, they need to find that. 
and hopefully this is a guy that might be able to do that, be that change of pace kind of guy. I'm talking a mid to late round kind of guy, and you find him. And you can do that with the running back position. So I'm keeping an eye on Darius Anderson, TCU. All right. All right. I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Does that make sense? You believe? I mean, you like that guy. Does, oh, can no. he be that guy for yeah, the Jets? No, without a doubt, Brent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that's a great pick by you. He's a very dynamic player, very shifty, good in space. And let's be honest, that's kind of what the Jaguars are looking for, a nice compliment uh, to Leonard Fournette. For me, I'm going more logic here, I guess, since you maybe took my guy. <laughs> but I'm going to go Florida's running back, Michael Pirine. Not Ooh. from the standpoint of he's had a good senior, you know, senior bowl week, because he has. Not from the standpoint where I think he's a very skilled running back, because he is. I'm going from the standpoint of he's back home where he grew up in Mobile, Alabama. And I think there's going to be a little extra added incentive there from the coaching staff to try to get him a little more involved, right? He's going to have a big crowd there, obviously, cheering him on. Um, he's probably going to play with a little more energy, a little more pomp. So I'm going with Michael P. Ryan of Florida. That's a that's a very strategic play on yeah, your part. See, absolutely. I'm thinking. I want. See, listen. There's a little bit of this that I need to win tomorrow, but I'm also <laughs> trying to win long term. <laughs> and and so I might give up tomorrow to you on that Michael Pirine front because okay. I didn't really think about it that way, and that was sure. a really good call. Sure, but uh, I might get Darius on the other side, even if he doesn't show up big no, tomorrow. No, dude. I mean, he he could very well, you know, have one of those. Cause that's the thing with these Senior Bowls too, right, Brent? And these All Star games where you maybe only get, you know, maybe six, seven touches because everyone's gonna get the ball, and you want to get those explosive guys, those guys in space to kind of hit that home run ball. And I think Darius, the guy that you picked, um, is definitely one of those guys. So it's coming back to me now. We're at the wide receivers. I have to go with my dude here. From the standpoint of, number one, he's a small school guy. And number two, off the camera, we kind of talked about what his touchdown celebration is going to be if he indeed does score a touchdown. Former gymnast, I'm going Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty University. All right, I like it. Uh, you like this guy. Yeah. You identified him. You like his story, but I think you also like his game. Yeah. And I, you know, I like that about you, that you stick with your small school guys. And I appreciate that. I'm a small school guy myself. Yeah. So, uh uh, from Murray State to Liberty, even though they lost in basketball last night to UNF. Uh, but <laughs> that will be a good pick. Uh, we'll see Gandy Golden if he can do some gymnastics on the football field uh, at the Senior Bowl. All right, so my wide receiver, I think there's a lot to pick from. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to go with the no-brainer pick. I, I thought you were going to go here, and then I was going to dig a little deeper because I could see a guy like uh, Jawan Jennings having a game. A lot of people talk about Van Jefferson. By the way, the Florida wide receiver Van Jefferson had a really nice week and, and won an honor because of it at the wide receiver spot um, this week at the Senior Bowl. But I'm going with the Claypool kid out of uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, yep. I mean, he could actually be a stud, man. I mean, he might be one of the better players on the rosters here at the Senior Bowl and a guy that will be taken earlier in the draft. Uh, not, you know, usually that's reserved for quarterbacks from a Senior Bowl perspective. You know, Ken Law got a lot of headlines. I think the Claypool kid will get a lot of headlines as well as this draft process heats up, and he's got more to gain. So I think he'll have a big showing, and that will start this draft process on a good note for the Notre Dame wide receiver. I like it, man. That's a great pick. All right, hey, don't do the uh, tight end and defensive player just yet. we got to take a timeout. We'll do that. When we come back, we finish off our Fantasy Senior Bowl draft. It's the first one ever. It might be the first one of its kind across the country. We're making it happen here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the final hour of the show. Headed into the weekend in style from the Action Sports Jack studios to live in St. Augustine at the Play Fast Clinic, a coach's clinic here in Northeast Florida. 
Live at the Embassy Suites, St. Augustine Oceanfront. We'll be right back. You know, all your children are different. Peyton was a little more intense and um, kind of went at things a little higher level. Eli has always been that laid back, or as he said today, they called him easy. But both counts, it was fun. Our family truly, you know, we didn't didn't try to raise quarterbacks. We just tried to raise kids. So this whole journey, we've kind of pinched ourselves several times, but it, it's been a fun trip. Well, that's Archie Manning. We've heard from all the Mannings here about the retirement of Eli Manning. And uh, what a ride for the Manning family it has been. I will say this. Hey, Austin, uh, have you caught any of the... Oh, what is it? Uh, Peyton Places that Manning has done? Man, so I've caught snippets here and there. I've never watched a full episode, but it seems pretty cool, though, what he's doing. I'll tell you what. I haven't. I've watched about three or four of them. Okay. But I want to sit down once the Super Bowl's over and, and watch like three or four a day. Sure. Tremendous. Just really good stuff. And by the way, it's like I told this to Ty. He was watching it. And I said, this is like our encyclopedia from back in the day. Like you'd get you'd get a book to read about this stuff. Yeah. Well, now you have like ESPN Plus and these short movies and, and narrated and produced by Peyton Manning and everybody else involved at ESPN. And now you watch the history of the game like that instead of reading it in a book, essentially. And the folks that really like to read and promote reading will not like that I just said that, but that does happen. <laughs> uh, you still should read, kids. But it, it's pretty amazing. Um, that's what registered with me. It's like, wow, like I'm learning about this like I'm reading a book. You know, you used to get those sports books like of stadiums or great players or you know, every Christmas I feel like I got one of those books and never really read the complete thing sure. but read parts of it and flipped through the pages. Well, that's what this kind of reminded me of, but in a fun way. And I think Manning does a great job and some of the characters, great ideas. You know, Maybe it's just because I'm in this business, but I love the foresight of everybody involved with that project mm-hmm. and what they did with it. It's it's really cool deal. So go check it out. I still have a lot more to watch, but uh, Austin, you should watch it if you can because I think you'll appreciate it. Yeah, definitely, man. I'll, I'll check out ESPN Plus. Um, I'm not gonna lie, we're at a little bit of a beef right now with ESPN Plus because <laughs> last night I tried to tune in to watch the UNF Ospreys do their thing with Mr. Martino, um, you know, doing the, the the play-by-play commentary. My son was excited, and for whatever reason, it was not letting us sign into it. Everything was up to date, so uh, really? I'm not sure what was happening there. But needless to say, a little disappointment last night, thanks to ESPN Plus in the Lane Residence. Oh, I'll have to send you some of my calls. Maybe we'll play them a little bit later on in the show. Or now something. we're talking. Now we're I'll tell talking. you what, the Liberty folks didn't like that they lost that game because they were peppering me for any mistake I might have made on the broadcast, which, by the way, can happen from time to time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, we're human. They did not like it. And, and uh, yeah, they, were, they weren't happy. They weren't happy. But it was a, it was a good win uh, for UNF nonetheless. All right, Brett Martineau back here at Embassy Suite St. Augustine Oceanfront. It's actually raining now. Where'd the rain come from? But I'm overhead and, and covered up, so uh, no problem here. At the Play Fast Clinic, it's basically a coaches' convention. Tom McPherson hosting it, the Orange Park High School head coach. Bobby Rawlison, the new coach of Fletcher, will join us in just a little bit. But we have business to take care of. Yes, sir. We are in the middle of a fantasy senior bowl draft. The first one ever. Winner gets a big, giant Reese's peanut butter cup. <laughs> I like it. Did, did, yeah. you, did you steal one from the senior bowl? Yeah. Did you really? I, I didn't steal the one at the at the uh, interview table. I should have. That was like a block oh, of Reese's peanut just butter asking. cup. Yeah, I know. Just yeah. asking for it. So I've just got like a regular one. Maybe uh, I'll try to go buy a big one. You know, sometimes you get those at the gas station or CVS sure. or Walgreens. And you see like that huge, like five foot tall Reese's Absolutely, peanut butter cup. Absolutely, man. Now we we're talking. For that. I, I like it. For that. I like it. I like it. Okay. So we have uh, 
picked already. Yes. Quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Correct. My running back is Darius Anderson. My quarterback is Jordan Love, and my wide receiver, Chase Claypool. I still have tight end defensive player to pick. What do you have? So I have quarterback Justin Herbert. I have wide receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty. And I have running back Florida Gator, LaMichael P. Ryan. All right, so here we go. I think, um, who's up? Is You're it my up now. Turn? Yep, you yeah, are so up now. I get the, I get the tight, tight end. end. Correct. All right, now this is an important one. In my scouting for the Jags, which you hope you have a little bit of a hand in, and I can uh, maybe give Dave Caldwell a buzz and say, hey, I think you should keep an eye on this guy. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure he'd listen to me. Yeah. It would simply go like that. Uh, you've got some tight ends to pick from that I think the Jaguars in the later rounds will take a flyer on at least one. They have to continue to try at that position to find the George Kittles of the world. You know, those kind of players that other teams have found and hit a home run with at the tight end spot can be found later in the draft. The Jags need to do that. And I don't know if I know how to say this guy's name right, but he intrigues me. Uh, Josiah Degara, the Cincinnati tight end, who also, by the way, is listed as a fullback um, on that roster. So it gets me to thinking, hmm, a guy that could maybe you talk about bringing the fullback into the fold. Is he want transitioning to that tight end spot a little bit? I don't know much about the guy, but I'm just I like him. Okay. I'm going to say he's going to be a diamond in the rough tomorrow. Okay, uh, and he was one of the guys we had. Our, we couldn't catch up with him. We never found him yeah. Monday and Tuesday, uh, so we really don't know too much of his story outside of what you read. Okay, but. Uh, Keep an eye on him because his story might be just starting to get told. And, again, I'm talking about a guy that would be in the late rounds. You yeah. know, you're talking like a six-round guy uh, potentially. And I think that's where you find players like him or Jared Pinkney from Vanderbilt. Um, but I'm going to go with, I hope I'm saying it right, Degara. Okay, so quick question. is he? Do you know, is he on the north team or south team? Because I'm trying to think uh, if they're going to use him more as a fullback. Okay. Bengals. Do they use a fullback a lot? Cause that, that, that's what I'm banking on right now. I hope they use him as a fullback the whole game and he gets like one carry and that's <laughs> it. Uh, so for me, Brent, from my perspective, the tight end spot, um, a little information about this kid I'm about to select. So I saw this guy the first day that we were there uh, doing our show. I saw him in the lobby and immediately I thought, well, this guy's rocking a senior bowl sweatshirt, but he looks like a Hollister model or some guy you would see on, on the Abercrombie and Fitch bag. Like, he, he kind of looked like a pretty boy, I'm going to be honest with you. And he had his hair, like, perfectly gelled to the side, you know, because that style is so in now. So I'm like, who is this kid? Because he's like 6'5". Come to find out, it was a kid you've actually seen play before in person. And I'm talking about... Harrison Bryan out of Florida Atlantic University, who played against Ohio State um, yep. the first game of the college football season. He I tore, was there. He tore Ohio State up. Um, from all things considered, I think he's had a really productive season. He's 6'5", about 240, big body type of kid, kind of under the radar a little bit because he went to Florida Atlantic. But I think he's going to be a game changer, not only in the Senior Bowl, but also in the NFL as well. All right. I like it, man. Um now we go to what? Uh, so, so, defensive player. Yeah, so and we can take defense. any defensive player. So here's yeah. you've got to be a little strategic here yep. because we're talking sacks, interceptions, yep. fumble recoveries Correct. are probably the best way to go. Yeah. But this is our final pick in our senior bowl draft. Yep. First one ever, first one maybe in the history of life that there's been a senior bowl draft. But we have one for uh, tomorrow's game. And our defensive stalwart, yeah. our defensive player of essentially the game, who you got? So here's here's what I kind of thought about picking my defensive guy. Because, I mean, you could go in a lot of directions. 
but I've, I've played in this game before. I kind of know how it operates. And I know that if you're a tweener, you're going to get a lot more playing time because coaches want to see you at different positions. So I went with a tweener who I think is going to see, obviously, a lot of on-the-field playing time, therefore the ability to make more plays just because he's so dynamic, played in a very dynamic defense in college, and people are saying, is he going to be a middle linebacker, an outside linebacker, a 3-4 linebacker, a 4-3 linebacker? And that is Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. I think the guy's uh, your gonna, guy. Oh, he is my guy, number one. But number two, I think with his ability to rush the passer, I think with his ability to drop back into coverage, and once again, being a tweener, being a guy that teams want to see in different positions, I think he's going to have a, a, a solid day and at least be productive for me on my defensive side of the ball. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with just a little bit of a guessing game here okay. for my defensive player, and I'm really taking a chance. Because, now listen, these guys get tackles, and tackles will count, right, in productivity. Correct, yes. So, but they also get splash plays, like maybe a pick six. Yeah. Uh, definitely an interception. And I want to, again, I, I think this is a position of need for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I'm going to take a little bit of a gamble here, and I'm going to go with the secondary. And I, I've I got like a it. couple of different ways to go. Because one, I kind of, you know, I want to take in the secondary. Who you want? I really want to take Lamar Jackson out of Nebraska. <laughs> Gosh, I want to do it so. For I, sure. I want to take him just to take Lamar Jackson yep. in my in this little fantasy draft. But I'm going to go one better, and I'm going to take Essang Bassey from Wake Forest. Have no clue about the guy really, <laughs> but I love the name. That is a so I'm going to go name. Lamar Jackson and Essang Bassey. I like so him, man. Keep an eye on him. I like uh, that name. I don't name. even know if I'm saying it right. But, <laughs> Probably uh, not. I mean, there's, but, again, this is where I think keep an eye on the secondary for the Jags. Sure. And, and see, I, I flip-flop what, the Jag, what a lot of people think. If you look at mock drafts and you look at uh, people talking about the Jags in the draft, they say, oh, they got to replace Jalen Ramsey. They traded away Jalen Ramsey. They need a lockdown corner. they got to trade him away. Well, or, or, or get a pick, a high pick, like use 9 or 20 at, sure. at that spot. Now, if Okuda's there for Ohio State, then it makes sense. But outside of that, does it make sense? And I would say no. I'm more of a big body guy in the early part of the draft and maybe more of the corners in the middle to the end part of the draft along with wide receiver and even the tight end. So I think this is where you could find some of these guys um, that uh, tomorrow in this game could shine and maybe the Jags pick up uh, later on a second day or third day of the draft. That, that maybe they're intrigued by. So I, I don't have a great feel for it. You interviewed Troy Pride Jr., so we could have gone there. Sure. He's a little undersized to me. I know he's a fast guy, but he's undersized, I think, for what the Jags are probably looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm trying to hit a home run on both ends here and get a little bit lucky. Um, and I just like the name. The all-name game, either Lamar Jackson or Asang Bassey <laughs> uh, uh, from Wake Forest in the ACC. And I'm going to go with Bassey there I and like see if, uh, if we can get it lucky. And uh, and hit a home run. That's what you do in the later rounds. See, we just had the fifth round of the draft. Of course, what you do. yeah. You I, just try to get a little fortune. I, I respect that. I mean, if worse comes to worse, you don't win. At least you got a guy with a really cool name to to kind of make you feel better about yourself. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, who was uh, reminds? Who was the MVP of your? Senior Bowl? Oh, uh, yeah, it was. So uh, the MVP of our Senior Bowl because we won. So it was Brandon Graham out of Michigan, who now plays for Philly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. And still plays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, the so he had a nice career. That was a, so that was that worked. Now listen, if we had done this years ago, now Graham would have been a good guy to pick. But sure. you scored a touchdown, man. I did. You don't talk about that enough. Like, <laughs> hey, Coos, why don't we play that coming back like the rejoin every show almost of that Austin Lane scored a touchdown in the Senior Bowl? We need to find that. I think I'll go search YouTube. TV. 
I know we played it on TV, so we need like the sound of that call. But uh, how did Graham get it? And not you. You scored a touchdown. It's a good call. Yeah, and that, it's so funny that you brought that up, Brent. So I scored my touchdown. You know, I'm celebrating. Why not really celebrating? Because I was so shook that I couldn't have a cool celebration. So I don't go viral from that reason. It is what it is. But I'm running back to the sidelines. And uh, Chris Kacarek, who is the, now the defensive line coach of the 49ers, hopefully we'll see him for Super Bowl week. But he comes up to me. He's like, hey, if you just get a couple tackles, you're the player of the game. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it, he, he told this to me. He's like, just get a couple tackles, maybe get a sack here or there, and you're the player of the game. You got it. Well, Brandon Graham must have overheard him because I think Brandon Graham ended up having like two and a half or three sacks. I think one was like a forced fumble. So from that perspective, he got it, and I wasn't upset about it because Brandon Graham was a really cool dude. We actually became friends after that, and then we were at the combine together as well. Um, so, you know, we were kind of hanging out and everything like that. So Brandon Graham's a really solid guy, man, um, a really humble dude. And like I said, he, he tore the senior bowl apart. Um, I think he got hurt actually at the combine, tore his hamstring in the 40-yard dash. I've been there tearing hamstrings. I know that feeling. But when first round of Philadelphia Eagles made a big play for them to actually win the Super Bowl back in 2017 against the Patriots. And, you know, he's been doing great ever since. All right. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm losing confidence in my kind of guessing game of a saying Bassey. Uh, he's five foot ten, maybe some of us is five foot nine and 190, so he's not that big a guy, which I'm a little nervous about. Only had five picks at, at Wake Forest in his career. Did have a pick six, though, so there's okay. a chance. Well, here's the thing, uh, too. 17. Is he a punt returner or a kick returner? Because then I'm, I'm going to be really upset because, I mean, that's yeah, kind of an I advantage, too. I don't see that. Okay. Um, so, uh, okay. All right. We got to make sure we write down our picks and we see how they do tomorrow. And uh, the winner gets a Reese's peanut butter cup. Done. Maybe one or a big one. I like I it. I don't know. Uh, we're going to continue on here from the Play Fast Clinic Coaches Convention, basically down here in St. Augustine. It was a beautiful day behind me. Now it's become a little bit rainy, uh, but still looks nice with the ocean right behind us. Action Sports Jacks on the road once again. We go to the Super Bowl on Sunday. We'll be there all next week. Radio Row with a bunch of interviews and having some fun. We'll give you the feel of Super Bowl 54. When we come back, Bobby Rollerson, the new coach of Fletcher High School, joins us live on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hey, Coos, are we back? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> we're just talking here, talking away, talking away, and, well, I guess uh, we're back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brett Mortno, Austin Lane, and uh, are we giving Austin the segment off again? Does he need to eat again? Oh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm here just chilling, man. I'm, I'm with whatever you want me to do. It's all All good. right, well, get, get ready to listen. we got a little high school right. football talk coming up. And uh, one of the good guys in Northeast Florida, there are so many. We were just talking about that. Love high school football and, and so many of the, the – Great coaches in the area, and um, we've seen him kind of bounce around at times. This guy's one that's bounced around a few different spots, but uh, he's got a new spot, and it's old for him because he was there last year, but he's got a new role at least in this spot. Talking about Bobby Rollerson, he's now the Fletcher High School head coach, takes over for the retiring Kevin Brown, and uh, that will be some shoes to fill. I mean, do you shoes. have to wear sandals and stuff, flip-flops? <laughs> do you have to get on a surfboard or anything? You better like the Red Sox. Yeah, we talked about that on the break, about Kevin does not fit the mold of your typical high school coach, and in a great way, uh, he's got so many other interests that go beyond football, and 
You're right. He wears the Crocs to school, teaches, <laughs> teaches in them, coaches in them. You don't see him very often without him, and he's usually got a, a Boston Red Sox hat on. So uh, big shoes to fill. Uh, I'm honored to be coaching there, Coach Reynolds and, and Coach Brown. I played for both of them and very grateful to have the chance to, to go back to a school that I love and I'm very passionate about and and uh, get this thing going or continue the role that uh, we've been on. I guess I. Uh, what is that like for you? You played for them. Uh, you played for them, and now you're you're the guy there. They move at a little slower pace. Uh, <laughs> both both Coach Reynolds and Coach Brown do, but still the same passion for that community, and that's probably one of the things that makes that a great job is you're your own little community. And they talk about defending the island and and uh, really getting that that whole feel of small town football within the confines of Duval County, and that's hard to find. And and so uh, they've done, and from Josh Corey to, and even before him, Coach Reynolds and and Coach Brown and and the guys that have been there have just done a tremendous job laying a foundation. And all I hope to do is to be able to build on that and uh, take us to that next level. Yeah, you're really right. They've found, uh, now you say that, I've been here since I've seen all that. I've seen Reynolds, Corey, Brown, now yourself, found good people, good coaches, and kept that tradition. I mean, really haven't had like years where it's like, Way down. I mean, it's a cyclical right. sport. Anyway, yep. it's a cyclical cyclical profession at any level. But you guys have kept that thing floating, 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 and, and way above treading water, and and sometimes really hit it. And that's kind of what happens on occasion. Well, it's a tribute to the staff that they've had in place there, and, and I'm fortunate to still have a lot of those guys in the building uh, that have been a part of the the staffs that you just mentioned. But it's also a tribute to the kids that live in that community, and. From Fletcher Middle to Mayport Middle and everywhere in between, a lot of those young men grow up wanting to be a Fletcher Senator, and it's important to them. And they come to those games when they're young and they're playing Pop Warner football even before they get to middle school. And so it's a big deal to them to grow up through the Beaches community and one day visualize themselves playing on that field on Fridays. You've been involved in some of the cool venues, really. I mean, there's no prettier setting in, in high school football, maybe in the state of Florida, but in northeast Florida than Bishop Kenny, yeah. you were there. And now to play by the beach at Fletcher High School and and coach there, those are two of the good settings in, in high school football right Yeah, here. I've been very blessed in that respect. Uh, Kenny was a was a wonderful place and a beautiful stadium, and I, I had a tremendous time coaching there, and I cannot say enough good things about, about the folks at Kenny and how good they were to me. Uh, but, it, but it's true. It, this is going home for me. And uh, I, I said this to somebody the other day about getting back into to being a head coach after a year off. There was really only one place I would have gone to do that, and, and it's Fletcher. And, and just to have the opportunity to do that, I was able to get a job in the building teaching just before the school year began. And uh, things just kind of fell into place um, the, unexpectedly. Yeah. You know, Quite honestly, as I told you, I said yeah. I had to be convinced that Brown was <laughs> leaving first. All these and, guys say they're getting out, but it's hard for him yeah, to get out. And, well, he did it. And I'm not convinced that he's going to stay away as long as he thinks he is. But, but it, obviously... It, it all happened, and it kind of fell into place, and so uh, so here we go again. Yeah, yeah, Brent Martineau here with Bobby Rawlison, the new head football coach at Fletcher High School, as he goes back home to uh, take on that role, replace the uh, retiring Kevin Brown. We're down in St. Augustine at the Embassy Suite, St. Augustine Oceanfront. There's a coaches clinic, Tom McPherson, hosting this clinic, 150 high school coaches from in and out of the area, a lot of them local, but uh, some from as far away as Nebraska, Alabama, Georgia, a lot of different states uh, represent. 
presented the Play Fast Clinic. Check out Play Fast Football for Tom McPherson uh, on his YouTube page. Baker Sports Dome Hats, a big part of this event as well. What is going on in there? What happens at a coach's convention other than you guys talking football, sharing some stories, complaining about parents, all those kind of things? <laughs> all of that and more. Uh, actually, we, we started this afternoon, and we'll have basically two sessions today, two sessions tomorrow, and then a session Sunday morning. And when I say sessions, meaning something in the morning, something in the afternoon. And I just listened to Coach Joey Wiles talk about sustaining and building a program. And who else would you rather listen to than that man talk about success that he's had and what helped him get there? And that's just one example. There are a lineup of coaches that is as good as any that I've ever been to, and I've been coaching for 15 years. Daryl Sutherland's going to speak. Rick Rick Darlington is going to speak. Uh, so, And these are guys that you you know have won state championships and have played and competed for state titles, and to be able to sit here and not just get them in a group setting, but the ability to sit down with them at a table and talk ball is just something that every coach dreams about. So it's been cool, and a lot of credit should absolutely go to Tom McPherson and Josh Baker and, and scorecard fundraising with Bill Gordon and Joel Brighton. Those guys have done a great job sponsoring this, and it's something that we've needed for a long time in Duval County or northeast Florida is some place that we can go this a little bit closer instead of getting in the car and having to drive to Orlando or Tampa to get this kind of clinic. And uh, a lot of credit to those guys because this is really going to be a special weekend. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, what did you learn from stepping back uh, a year ago? And you kind of mentioned that to me in the break, that you enjoyed that more maybe than you thought you did. And maybe we're even going to think about doing it a little bit longer, as you said earlier uh, just a couple minutes ago. But what did you learn? I mean, what do you learn? I, I get, I've get i heard that in sports a lot. People step back and they see it from a different view. Sometimes it's better if a quarterback sees it from a different view, even yeah. if it's for a couple of plays or a couple of games to reset. What did it do for you? Well, I think it allows you to, to, to play the compare-contrast game as, as most of us would love to go to other places and watch how other coaches do things. And that, for me, was probably the best thing. And I have such a comfort level and great relationship with Coach Brown that we were able to have conversations away from the practice field and talk a lot more about how he's run the program even well before I ever got there. And so it was just neat in a no-stress environment for yeah. me, which I was just <laughs> helping him with the defensive backs, it was neat to kind of sit back and watch how he does things and some of the other coaches on staff, how they do things, and, and just observe. Um, you know, being a head coach, no matter what level you are, it's a stressful job. Yeah. And uh, even, even, though, even though we're judged by wins and losses, if you're in it for the right reasons, you're doing it for, for those kids and making sure that you're trying to turn them into better men. And, th and that really is the purpose of, of just about everybody that I know here in Duval County. But sometimes you, get, you lose sight of that, and, and you start to define your own self by wins and losses. And so it was neat to get away and watch Kevin really relate to the kids in a different way because, as you said, he's got other interests outside of football, and, it's, and he was able to kind of weave that into some of the lessons that he, he taught the young men at Fletcher. So for me, observation, compare, contrast, what would you do differently now moving forward and the things that I'll, I'll try to change as we go. Really well said, too. And it is a, it is a, a profession where you feel like you've know, you got to get the story, you've got to sleep on the cot, you know, you got to always yeah. be watching film. I love guys like Kevin... Brown, who kind of get away from that. I'd say he doesn't work hard, but it's just a right. different thing. You're not afraid to admit, hey, I'm I'm going to the beach today or do something. I, I feel like uh, like Bruce Arians is like that in the NFL, right? It's, it's not 
Bill Belichick would never say that. Bruce Arians right. is like, uh, I'm shutting the lights off at six o'clock and I'm going to play golf for nine holes or something like. Yeah. You know, he, he might say that. I appreciate that because the profession can sometimes be if you're not working 22 hours in a day and there's not that perception of you, well then you're not very good. It's balance. I think that if if you ask me to define it in one word, what did I learn the most being away, is to lead a more balanced life in in terms of my family and my faith and football and trying to put and keep all of those in the proper perspective and and I learned a lot of that in obviously being away from it and watching Kevin and and how important that was to him so um, not that we won't work hard and it doesn't mean that we don't want to win because obviously the goal for everybody when you start out is you want to go play for that state championship and and at Fletcher we have a real opportunity to do that every year Um, but it has to be kept in perspective, and, and balance has got to be not just with, with me as a head coach, but certainly our staff as well. All right, talk defense. Let's bring in Austin Lane. Uh, Austin, you still awake over there? I'm still awake, yeah, yep. Yeah. You're still no, there? No, no, no. Had my mic turned off, so I couldn't say anything. We're all good, Oh, yeah. yeah. So he was trying to keep you quiet. I, can't, yeah. I, I, I might have paid Coos to do that. I cannot be uh, silenced, Brent. Austin Lane, uh, Iola, Scandinavia, Wisconsin, this would have been 2004, 3, 5, somewhere around there. What kind of defense were you playing in high school? And uh, how should Coach Bobby Rollerson use you if we go back in the way back machine about 15 years? Oh, man. So, yeah, we were playing just a basic 4-3 defense. Um, we'd bring up the safety a lot because back then it was a lot more run-oriented um, you know, stuff on offense than it was now. So on defense, I was just playing that 4, uh, you know, I was playing the 4 defensive end, the 4-3, and also played a lot of 7 technique head up. Um, wasn't until we got to the playoffs where I got to play the wide 9 a little more, kind of use my pass rushing skill set. And it was a fantastic uh, time to do that, obviously, playing the wide nine. There's nothing better. But, Coach, a question I have for you, and I've always been curious whether it's you know the, the, the ranks of NFL coaches, college coaches, or high school coaches, is, you know, you're, you're at this event right here, and obviously you're picking the brain of other coaches. And to be fair, you're probably going to use some of their advice and try to apply it to your coaching. But how, how much of your coaching style, I guess, is other ideas, other concepts that you pick up along the way from different coaches, and then how much of it of it is just what you believe in, your identity, and how, how do you balance all that? Well, I don't want to give you the, the scripted answer, but it's probably a combination of both. Uh, I think as you go through these things, and the longer you coach, you develop a style, and that's who you are, and the kids see it, and they know when you're faking it, and they know when you're not. And so I think your style is what it is, and and that is that can get molded through these through these various clinics and the things you go to do. But who you are, and your passion and your fire, um, that's who you are. Now, the ideas and the concepts and the things that have worked for others, Austin, you absolutely take those from other guys and and utilize them. And and you know I've heard many coaches say. I've never developed an idea of my own because I've always just taken it from guys that have come before me. And that is true in a lot of ways in what we do. Um, football, I sometimes think as coaches, we try to overcomplicate the game. And it really, it really doesn't need to be. It's how well can you block? How well can you tackle? Is your team disciplined and fundamentally sound? And do you make less mistakes on Friday than the opponent does? Um, so, you take a lot of ideas, you mold them into what's going to work for you based on the kids that you have and the staff that you have and the comfort level you have and being able to implement those ideas. But your style and who you are as a person, 
that that I think you just bring with you based on how you were raised and and uh, how much fire you got in your belly. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, well said. Bobby Rollerson, uh, Fletcher High School head coach. Good luck, man. I know you're going to have some fun over there. And I know you always have some talent. So uh, we expect you to be pretty good. I'm sure they do, too. <laughs> no pressure, man. <laughs> huh? Thanks, Bobby man. Rollerson. Have I appreciate fun. you guys. Hey, thanks all you all for uh, all you guys do. We appreciate you. We love being a part of it. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, able to deliver the game of the week uh, each and every Friday this past fall. We're going to do that, hopefully, again this coming fall with Kevin Sullivan, who actually is on a panel uh, here today at the uh, Play Fast Clinic put on by Tom McPherson, uh, the coach at Orange Park High School. Again, check out uh, Play Fast Football on YouTube. And while you're doing that, you can check out this show on YouTube all the time. Subscribe to it, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Not only here, but Twitch as well. You've been gaming lately on Twitch, Austin, or uh, Coops? I've been gaming, but I don't have Twitch still. I'm still kind of that old school kind of guy. I'm sure Kuz has been on Twitch, though. No, I'm holding out until they uh, offer me six figures to stream on their service, so we'll wait. Brent, and by the way, guys, if you, I mean, we're trying to get followers on Twitch. Can you at least follow us? Like, get on there and follow us. Sorry. If we don't have, like, our oh, family and friends us. and ourselves doing it, then how are we supposed to get anybody else to do it? I already follow us. We're good. Uh, I could. Eventually get on that, I guess. That, that wasn't part of it. You know, that, that wasn't the job description, but I can see what I can do. But I'm still not like, getting Instagram. I was going to say, you're going to need Hey, you missed out. Gardner Minshew selling his mustache well, right yeah, now on Instagram. Thing, What's that we story? Have, we have breaking news occurring right now. If we're going to talk about Ty gaining, you know, weighing 90 pounds, Kuz, give us some, some dr- dramatic music here. Oh, he's, he's struggling. Oh, Brent, you hate to see it. On a I Friday, know, especially let's stressing out. Let's just be clear out. now. Ty getting to 90 pounds is much more breaking news than anything Gardner Minshew does. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I love the mustache man, too. Once again, not really breaking, but Dude, okay. This is site that dramatic? This site can kills we, me, man. I mean, <laughs> can we, can we get a better library? Reboot? Is this the Crocodile Dundee reboot right now we're doing? What was that? Kuz, I mean, we're, we're a music. Goes, how many music stations do we have on a property? I mean, we can't do better than use, this. I'm supposed to use this website. They do not offer a very clear way to get well, this good this website music. sucks. Can you please get What's some serious... drama in. Dramatic. No. We, we are oh at, we're, we're not at a Christian rock concert or at a carnival right now. What are we doing? Hey, Austin, I'm about to go. play some Eminem. This is yeah, better? Please this do, better? Brent. That's better. better. Okay. We can work with that. So, Kuz, Okay, now give happening? me the Minshew breaking news. Okay. Gardner Minshew is selling his first ever mustache that he grew. It's dated from, uh, uh, it looks like September 2017. Uh, he's selling it on Instagram for a million bucks. And obviously no, the not. proceeds are going to go to the the human funds. He said serious inquiries only. Is he really selling it for a million bucks? It's a it's a, it's a Ziploc bag of hair. <laughs> I'm not like. How are we supposed to confirm this? It's his like post. He, he posted it. When did he post it? I know, it? but I'm how are we still do we believe Gardner Minshew? That's like that was one of his mustaches. There's a right? there's a picture of him at East Carolina before with the mustache, which I assume is the okay. hair that then made it into the Ziploc bag. I he, mean, was Minshew this aware of his star status that he saved? The mustache? You guys are missing the most important part of this whole thing and why me and Gardner Minshew are going to be friends going forward. Kuz, where is he going to donate the money to again? The human fund, Do you know right? what that's from? 
That is from Seinfeld. When George Costanza uh, was uh, buying the office Christmas gifts, he made a donation to everybody in his in their names to the human fund. So that means that Gardner Minshew is a Seinfeld fan. I'm a Seinfeld fanatic. Once again, me and Gardner Minshew, basically the same person, but a million dollars a little a little steep. I didn't see that part of it. <laughs> so is he just making the Seinfeld reference, or is yeah, this still for real? Now. I'm sure it's for real, man. I don't know if he's gonna. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but if I have a bag of hair and someone's willing to pay me a million dollars for it, I'm gonna do it, regardless of how creepy it is. Yeah. Man, I, I'm still. Listen, if this is for real, and I haven't seen all, uh, I, I haven't got the uh, the the Instagram post. <laughs> he's, but he also posted it from the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History. <laughs> Who is this guy? I don't know. Now now I'm not sure I'm believing it. Uh, But if so, I'm just still so fascinated with the idea that he might have kept it. Yeah. As a souvenir to himself, and now later he might be able to cash in for a good cause. Yeah, he said, while going through some old belongings, I stumbled upon an artifact long forgotten. Wow. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty funny stuff. Gardner Minshew. I'm telling you what, man. The guy is gold. In fact, I'm going to ask you about another athlete right now. I don't know if it's Minshew-esque, but people are raving about him. And has he even earned it? Minshew's definitely on the field play has earned more than maybe this guy I'm going to bring up. Ballin' and Fallen coming up as well. And also want to mention the official water. Of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. CGC Water. They will be at the Morocco Shrine Auditorium this weekend for the Home and Garden Show. So make sure you stop out and see them. CGC Water. Drink it up. Official water of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We're live from St. Augustine. One last segment to send you into the weekend right after this. They lead the country and makes an attempt. Oh, wow. Ivan Gandia Rosa. <laughs> he just threw it up to Ajinominu in the... Forward in the hoop. <laughs> That's me. I like it. <laughs> Didn't know how to react to that one. It was crazy. Yvonne Gandiarosa last night against Liberty for UNF. Uh, that game on ESPN Plus. Uh, fun to call with Lee Moon Jr. And a good game. 71-71 run at the final second by Garrett Sam's free throw. And a huge one now because UNF is tied uh, atop the A-Sun. But Austin, what he's trying to do is basically from the top of the key, just throw a lob pass to Wajid Aminu, and it went right in. Nice. I mean, he overthrew the lob pass <laughs> by a lot, and it went in. It was SportsCenter, I think, uh, top ten. It was like the ninth play. I don't know why they didn't go sound if full. You want to well, see probably because I didn't call it. Well, I just laughed. Exactly. If you want to see more of that, come watch us play in the Giants game this Saturday. And maybe <laughs> as you're making that pass, Brent, you, 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 you can also call it at the exact same time. I might just chuckle again, just yeah. like I did uh, right there. By the way, that is tomorrow night, Jacksonville Giants game, 7.30 at the arena, not UNF Arena, downtown at Vistar Memorial Arena. So go uh, check out Austin Lane. He'll be there. He's playing with the Jacksonville Giants. Uh, it's their big arena game, so come on down and uh, be a part of it. should be a lot of fun. I'll be there as well. I've got the title of honorary captain. Like, I thought I just got to wear jeans and a sweatshirt and, and watch and maybe – Blow a whistle no, or sir. put you in the game. We're a I'm, team. I'm running out with you, I guess. I, I guess I'm in warm-up line. I'm going to even sit on the bench in the first quarter. So I'll be there in uniform, I guess, with you. And all I want to do is throw an alley-oop to you in warm-up. So we hopefully will make it happen. I can't wait, man. The Martin O'Lane House of Pain coming out of the studio <laughs> on the basketball court. We can't be stopped no matter what sport it is.
That's very good. You do have a name. Your last name, you can you can really play off on the play-by-play world. Absolutely. Know, especially in basketball. You so, better believe uh, it. We can, we can get to that. All right, let's uh, let's go balling and falling. And I'm going to stay with the Ospreys for balling. I'm going to give it to them. As you uh, should. It was a fun game. I also should give a little shout-out and a ball into Richard Miller. Richard Miller, uh, he's been a part of the broadcast over at UNF for a long time, radio side, TV side. And I hate to say he fills in for me. That's not really how it works. Some, sometimes the schedule adds up, and so we both do games. And this year, the schedule's been awful for me. The, last night was my first game, uh, and uh, I was it was great to be able to do it. But I almost feel bad. Richard's been doing all the other games, and this was one on the calendar, and it turns out to be a big one. Uh, but I appreciate uh, Richard letting me slide in uh, for that game. I'll do a few more games in February, but, again, the schedule just hasn't been good for me on ESPN+, and I really enjoy doing them. Richard does a great job with Lee Moon Jr. as well, so make sure you check him out and his calls on ESPN+, Plus coming up next week while I'm down at the Super Bowl. That being said, the Ospreys got a huge win, and 175, 175th win for Matthew Driscoll. They needed this one that protects the home court possibilities down the road in March in the A-Sun tournament. And they are they are every bit as good as Liberty, a team that was 19-1 and coming in, receiving some top 25 votes. Uh, Liberty's earned it. They've done a great job. But the Ospreys could play with them. They played with them from the opening tip. Uh, there was no doubt they could play with them, and they ended up beating them. They were actually up by 10 late in that game. And then Liberty went on a 10-0 run to make it close, and obviously Garrett Sams hits a free throw with a second and a half to go for the win. So a big win, and I want you to hear this, because this is the balling part. Matthew Driscoll, after the game, the guy's fantastic on a microphone. How many first-place teams have we played in your career? Yeah, a lot, all the time. Like, like this ain't like, they don't make it so big that it's the number two mid-major team in the country below Gonzaga. Okay, great. Well, they still got to play, right? And, like, People are like, well, their budget and they do this. They, it don't matter. What matters is you got dudes and they got dudes. So how are your dudes going to match up with their dudes? I love that, man. I love that. <laughs> well, you know, he had the famous, he's got a couple of famous ones, the let's go that everybody plays yeah. um, and uh, getting ready. I think that was the year after the NCAA tournament inside the locker room. But the NCAA tournament, it was shirts being made. Ballers are ballers and dudes are dudes. Yeah. And uh, Matthew Driscoll's fantastic. Big win. They go to Lipscomb tomorrow. Jay, you got a nice win uh, yesterday as well at Lipscomb. So a big overtime win for them. Maybe get back on the right track. That's my balling. Uh, the it, Ospreys with a big W last night. Props to them. So my balling is going to take a couple seconds to kind of set up here a little bit. So Jared Cannonier and Robert Whitaker were supposed to fight at UFC 248 coming up. Robert Whitaker, the former champion, lost his belt to Stylebender, um, had to pull out of the fight for um, private reasons. Now, a lot of people thought, including myself, that he got hurt again because this is a guy who's been hurt a bunch of times during camp and had to pull out a fight. So obviously the MMA community was very irate that once again Robert Whitaker is indeed pulling out of a fight because of a supposed injury. Well, Dana White was asked why Robert Whitaker is pulling out of the fight um, after the Conor McGregor fight, and here's what he had to say. Let me put it to you this way. That's that's personal for Whitaker. It's, if Whitaker wants to talk about that, he can. But I'll tell you this. When you talk about somebody whose priorities are in the right place, who is completely selfless and um, down to the core, a good human being, that's Robert Whitaker. Mm-hmm. The reason Robert Whitaker is not fighting in this fight is one of the most unselfish things I've ever seen in my life. He's a good man. He's a good human being, and uh, I have a lot of respect for him. And, uh, you know, good luck to him and and what he's dealing with right now. And uh, 
I literally I can't put into words and articulate how I feel about Robert Whitaker. Mm. He, he's 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 the real deal, man. Mm. He's dealing with some personal issues, and uh, what he's doing and how he's handling it. I have so much respect for him. Okay, so now you can't see that video, but Dana White did a couple things in this video that you've never really seen him do. Number one, he gave props to a guy who pulled out of a, a main event fight at UFC 248. You know, he he hardly ever like has the fighters' backs because he you know he has a show to sell. And number two, he showed emotion. You know, the, the the guy was on the verge of crying. So then that begs the question: What happened with Robert Whitaker where he had to pull out of the fight, and where Dana White so emotional? Now it's not a hundred percent confirmed yet, but a lot of reports kind of. Came out today and last night saying that Robert Whitaker's two-year-old daughter uh, is extremely sick and extremely ill, and he decided that he's going to donate his bone marrow um, mm-hmm. to her. Uh, in which case, if you're familiar with that, it's a very strenuous process. It takes a toll on your body. So he's going to donate his bone marrow to his daughter. Therefore, he's not going to be able to train for the fight, and that's why he's actually pulling out of the UFC 248 card. Well, I think that's a pretty darn good reason. You better believe it. Man. Uh, right there. And good, uh, nice job by uh, Dana White yeah. uh, in that role to uh, kind of punch that point home, yeah. if you will. All right, it's uh, Fallen time. And Fallen is usually something that not so great. Uh, it's been the Antonio Brown saga for a long time, it feels like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But how about we just go, instead of Fallen, we go Fall. Okay. Taco Fall. Ah. The Celtics in Orlando tonight. And Kuz, let's bring in the Driving Dish podcast. Will he play? Should he play? And doesn't he have a Minshew-esque kind of feel to him in terms of this cultural phenomenon? Is it just because he's tall? I mean, what's the deal with Taco Fall, and why is he so popular? Why is he taking over the NBA in popularity if he's hardly played? Yeah, I think he's just kind of become that, like, fan favorite that everyone holds on to. There's always been, like, an effectuation with – like, like really, really tall people, even in the NBA, because like Boban Marjanovic was the same thing, uh, for and still kind of is. But Taco Falls kind of like taking that spot now, and I think just because he kind of, uh, you know, got uh, got a little bit of hype in in college, I think people are really gravitating to him now. All right, so that is it. It's just, isn't it a little? What is he now in the All Star vote? Is he still like fifth? Yeah, I don't think. I think I've read something. He got seven votes from his peers, like in, in the league, too. Even voted for him too. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to look up the uh, the the Celtics uh, injury report. Here we go. One day ago. So there's like there's like five or six people on this injury report for um, their game in Orlando. Uh, Jalen Brown, Ennis Cantor, Jason Tatum. So, I mean, Ennis Cantor being out, they're going to need some tall guys down low to help out. So that's kind of why I think they yeah. can they can plug them in for sure. And it's funny how the NBA works, right? Because I'm reminded, like, obviously Taco Fall in the NCAA tournament where, you know, like he, he kind of became a fan favorite from his size, from his name, and that kind of transpired all the way to the NBA. You know, I think the same thing could have been said about Morris and the guy from Gonzaga so far back. Um, I think that was like 2000, man, I'm about to date myself here. I think it's 2000. 2004 when Morrison got drafted in an NBA from Gonzaga. I'll have to check that. But sometimes you just kind of find these folk, folk heroes that whatever reason you fall in love with, it could be his name, it could be his height, but NBA fans are just drawn to the dude, Brent. You can't hate on it. No, absolutely not. All right, go quick. Fallen before we get out of here. Fallen going to Kuz's boy. The Philadelphia Flyers mascot, Gritty, oh, um, is apparently under police investigation for allegedly assaulting um, 
a kid for punching him in the back uh, during some kind of photo shoot. What 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 this kid did, I have no idea. Um, what the replications are going to come, I have no idea. One would say maybe the kid deserved it or not, but not a good look for the gritty uh, mascot there from the Flyers uh, under police investigation. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Um, I, uh, this has been a lot of fun hanging out. Been on the road a lot of times. It kind of looks a little South Beach-esque behind me, but we'll be there next week. It probably won't look as pretty because we'll be in Radio Row. Maybe they'll bring some palm trees inside the Miami Beach Convention Center. Austin. I like that. Style. I mean, uh, palm trees, Jennifer Lopez, Shakira. <laughs> I mean, let's just make it really aesthetically pleasing to everybody. I Bring can it guarantee all. it. At one time, the last two will be there. I, he was talking aesthetically pleasing, Coos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's a Mr. 305. you got to have him. He's in Miami. He's not very aesthetically pleasing on my eardrums either, so no thank you. Oh, here we go. 40-year-old men in minivans. Oh, what Look do you out. Say, Brent? Look out. About to call you out. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Everybody else out there as well. Thanks to Embassy Suite St. Augustine Oceanfront for having us out. Uh, great hospitality here. Beautiful setting. Stop on by. Uh, whether you're in town or out of town, it's a pretty cool place. And uh, we appreciate all they did. Baker Sports, Dome Hats. And congratulations to Tom McPhee. And play fast football on YouTube. Check it out. Play fast clinic happening all weekend long for high school area coaches. Good to catch up with them. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you on the TV side as well. CBS 47, Fox 30, all weekend long. And Sunday, we'll be in Miami at Super Bowl 54. Have a good one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.